Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, to the average fundamentalist Christian, it sounds like a bunch of hocus pocus. They got a knowing smile on their face. They got a big smile. And look at these guys. And he's suffering because in his physical body, from a lack of knowledge of all the things we talked about. And do they ask yourself this question? Do they talk about these things in the local church? No. Of you have to educate not. yourself. The pastor does not know. He, he simply does not. So. Most of them will follow the pastor. And, and even if they, they did, did, if they talked about it, they'd be banned. This is, the, this is the problem of you know believing that your pastor is a man of God and then assuming that, well, he's a man of God, so therefore, if he doesn't talk about these things because God's guiding my, my pastor, then they're not important. That's, that's, I point that out a lot, but they all make this mistake. They all want to believe they're guided by God, and uh, they're deceived as far as these things go. You know, this is why they're dying of chemotherapy and taking vaccines and stuff like that. Children have autism. They're well-intentioned. They're praying, you see, but they're suffering from ignorance. You have to have knowledge in order to act intelligently. Unless you're going to perform a correct action by random chance. We don't live uh, like that way, so that's not going to work. This is the way they live in life, though. It's interesting you brought up chemo. There's a brand new uh, study that just came out that actually proves that it uh, helps spread the cancer. Oh, well, yeah. not only destroying the uh, immune system, it also spreads cancer. It's designed to make you feel as if you're doing something to be mm-hmm. false, falsely empowered. You know, you, you, you can't really feel better. You feel, oh, I'm doing something. I'm getting something done, you know. It's all deception. It's like prescription drugs that mask the problem. That's, that's satanic, man. Satanic deception. Absolutely. Because you feel better typically because it masks you know, it suppresses the symptoms. Did it do anything for the root of the problem? Well, is a chemical going to do anything to heal anybody? When do chemicals ever heal anybody in the long term? Well, no. No, because it's a they're poison. Band-aid. Like I said before, there's certain poisons that can be beneficial in the short term, but never, never, never in the long term. Never. And it's fabulous. Even sold this bag of goods. It's called Science. And science promotes chemicals, right? Mm-hmm. Plastics and all these things. Do they say, tell us that they're toxic? Is that what they were warning people about? You know, pesticides in the 1950s? No. They were actually spraying people in neighborhoods with these spray trucks. And the people were like dancing around, the children and everything like that, because they, they believed in the wonders of science. Well, guess what? The wonders of science are here to kill you and accelerate smoke you the wonders of science are in opposition to nature. Think about that. Look at what science has done to nature. It's antagonistic to nature. It's destroying the planet. When are we going to figure this out? It's destroying people, destroying their minds, destroying your body, uh, destroying your bloodstream, filling up with poison. The people are ignorant. They trust the government. They trust the pastor. They trust the experts. Either deceptive or they're ignorant. You have to educate yourself. 
And that's the problem with Christianity. They, they don't educate people. Judaism has done a lot better job historically. It's sad. So, anyway. You know, at least they have the right Messiah, because in Judaism they don't. And they're going to bust hell wide open unless they change their mind. You can't bypass Christ. You know? It's basic. So. See, I, I've, I've done a lot of research into, uh, like, Buddhism. Uh, I've done a little bit of research into Islam, but I've never really um, researched uh, Judaism other than mm-hmm. I, I read, um, gosh, what's the name of that book that has some horrible, horrible things in there. It calls it Goyim, and, uh, talk, you know, it talks about it's okay to steal from Goyim. It's okay to kill Goyim. Um, you know, it calls us Goyim. What is that called? Not the Torah, the the Talmud. That book is unbelievable. Have you ever read that book? I was looking at the chat room. I wonder who's guest seven. Oh, Paco Otto. Okay, uh, ask me that again. Have you ever read the Talmud? Um. Bits and pieces. Um, you got to understand that I believe that there was a first century cataclysm. Okay, the entire YouTube community is going to have to deal with this. I'm talking about you know like Christians uh, because um, they're going to have to refute it and acknowledge the possibility. They're not even never even heard because it destroyed all the manuscripts unless they survived in the caves. But this one of the possible that this. Talmud, that the evil is fake? Well, those manuscripts existed before the cataclysm. So what is that going to tell you about the validity of the Talmud? God would have had yeah. to preserve it, and that would be pretty far down his priority list. Mm-hmm. There's two, there's two okay. different ones. You're, you're basically talking about the Babylonian Talmud. If you study it historically, it was already formulated by the sages who were in exile in Babylon. That's why it's called the Babylonian uh, Talmud, okay? They had a huge Jewish community that, that never came back to, to, uh, to Jerusalem in, in Judah. And that's where you get the Babylonian okay. uh, Talmud. So if you believe in that cataclysm, uh, what are you going to think about the integrity of the Talmud? It comes from Illuminati, but that doesn't mean that everything in there is false. There's a lot of truth in there, but it's such a, a grab bag and there's no authority that can determine, um, unless it's you know referenced outside of the Talmud, uh, or it looks like it's just basically common sense or something, whatever the heck you know. Uh, you don't know. You don't uh, just think with, here's the here's thing with the Bible. There's no authority that has absolute certainty about any single word in the Bible. I'm just saying one word, like in in the text, you know. The, so-called original language, even though it's not original. Um, you, you don't have that because all the manuscripts pass through the medieval system of control, which Christians don't think about. They don't, these Christians, they don't realize that we live in a system of control today, okay? And they don't understand that there was a system of control in the medieval era where everything from the ancient past um, passed through that system of control, because they don't have a sufficiently conspiratorial mind, so they're not even suspicious. So they're, they're, they're putting a false integrity upon all these 
scriptures and, 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 and manuscripts, it is completely unjustified. What they need to do is prove that they're not, it's not a medieval, for, medieval forgery. And you can't, you can't do that. You know, with the Bible, all you can do is appeal to the older manuscripts, just the grass free rest. So you're just, what you're going to do is you're going to compare the Hebrew scriptures with the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's the oldest witness that we have. Well, you don't have certainty about that. You know what I mean? So you don't have certainty about any single word in there. They could have altered a single word. How can you prove that didn't happen? You cannot do it. And Christians have never figured this out. That's why I talk about false epistemology and how we got sided by you know false certainty. You'll see it all over YouTube. People believe that they can be certain about things that are there's no reason to be certain at all. They want to believe. They're the true believers, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, they deceive themselves, their own ego. They believe that I can discover it. Uh, no, you can't. Nobody can uh, know anything in Falvey before the 14th century. I'm just picking a particular century, you know. Okay, well, I just I just read a little couple couple chapters and verses of the Torah. I mean, that's, I'm sorry, the Talmud, and I was blown away by it. I was like, holy cow. Oh, yeah. You know. It's unbelievable how... Well, let me give you an example. First of all, there's a secret about King Cyrus, and I'm not going to talk about it. I'll talk about it later, once God does something big. But in the Talmud, they actually say that he's the Messiah. Now, they know secrets about... There's secrets about King Cyrus. But um, Uh I'm going to give the dumbed-down version, okay? Um, Okay. First of all, he's prophesied the book of Isaiah twice, you know. And what is he referred to? The anointed one. Now, the anointed one, that's just the English term. It's best translated into two words, English, anointed one. You know, in is that similar to the word Messiah? Yeah, in, in Hebrew, what's well, the same word? In Hebrew, it would be Mashiach, yeah. and uh, in uh, Greek, it would be Christ. No difference. That's why uh, David is referred to as Christ in, in, the, um, in the Septuagint. That's a Greek translation. Okay, but they actually say that he was the Messiah. Now, why would they do that? Well, this is a dumbed-down version. I believe that he converted to what we would call Second Temple Judaism. Okay, can't prove it, but that's why they're saying that, because there's some knowledge there. And um, also, I believe that Miriam who it says in the book of uh, Micah was, as far as hierarchy, she was in third place. It says that God led uh, Israel, you know, on the Exodus to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. She was elevated above the 12 chieftains of the 12 tribes. These are the patriarchs, you see. God's going to destroy all these patriarchs, by the way. And, um, And yet she was above them. Now this is I believe that she was the incarnation of um of Eve. And she was previously uh Sarah and Rachel. There's a secret about Rachel. I talked about this today with Barbara. Uh, you're going over my head now. Okay, so Joseph has this dream. And he sees the sun and the moon and he sees the twelve stars. Well Rachel was already dead. So why 
is Rachel being associated with the moon? Now, most Christians don't know that in, in, in the Bible, because they've been silent about anything feminine. feminine. You see, I, here's the guy that's railing about feminism, and yet I believe I'm the number one guy out there that is actually holds to the biblical essentials that is talking about the feminine aspect. You see that? So you're getting both ends with me. Feminism will destroy any civilization, just given time. It's anti-procreation, just like MIG- MIGTOW, both of them. They're just really opposites, although MIGTOW is better. But um, they're anti-marriage, they're anti-procreation. In fact, I could make the case that feminism is less anti-procreation, even though you know it's Pope you know, Peel and stuff like that. These MGTOW guys, they're um, they're telling you don't get married. There's feminists out there. They don't they don't say that. You know, there's there's a lot of different types of feminists. Okay, a lot of times when we think of feminists, we're thinking of the radical feminists. Um, lots and lots of people are soft feminists, neo feminists. They're just a part of the culture. But anyway, um, in the Talmud, I've never been able to find this, but I. I You've got to trust me. I came across this. I don't know where I got it. I know what I saw or heard, but I haven't been able to find it on Google. And I've tried to do searches in the Talmud, like in a big PDF, but they, uh, the searches are not accurate or they don't even work. But um, anyway, in the Talmud, it refers to, um, to Miriam as, here it is, the daughter. The daughter. With a definite article, and that Christian brain, they would see that and just go right on by. No. <laughs> That's the daughter, the daughter of God. And who was that? Eve. She did not have an earthly uh, parentage. She is superior to everyone that follows. And I said on the show that um, the Bible does not speak against the possibility of an ancient uh, matriarch incarnating more than once. Now, who would be the most likely person? Whoever's the most important. So actually, based on that, Eve would be the number one candidate to incarnate more than once. And actually, she's incarnated a number of times. Uh, there's some evidence for this. Sometimes it's kind of thin, but most of the time you can't prove it. Um, for instance, like with Sarah, uh, her name was changed to Princess. You see that? There was a reason for that. But if you weren't thinking along those lines, you wouldn't know why. See, all those names mean something. So was she just this princess of the desert? Is that, is that all? No, no, no. You see, that has to do with her status. And so she is going to reincarnate. She's here right now. She's going to be a consort of the king, and he is referred to as a prince. Aha! See, it's, it's eschatological. It's born to the future. She's qualitatively superior. You see that? Okay. But she's not going to be the queen of Israel because that's not her role this time. Uh, I don't want to go into all that I've talked about before. She takes kind of a back seat. Um, I hate when you say that, Dave, because you've had so many podcasts, and like sometimes you'll be on a roll, and you'll uh, and you'll say, "I don't want to talk about that." And I'm well, like, dang it. The reason is because I've talked about it before. Podcasts. I know. I, I know. don't. I don't like to repeat. It's hard to find it. 
And also, um, I, have, I, have to, cool. I have to talk for a little while. Well, in the future, what we're going to do, we're going to do, um, we're going to focus more on, on teaching and communication, and we will have shorter podcasts on a particular subject so people can find that subject. You know, if, if I do a Bible study on the Exodus, what about cataloging? We're not going to have a five-hour podcast. We're going to get the scriptures out, do a Bible study, then shut it down. And, and if it's a Saturday night, we'll open the room back up, and then we'll have dialogue. But we're not going to have a Bible study buried in a five-hour podcast. It just doesn't work. And it's it's yeah. actually killing it's killing us because there's critical information that we've talked about along the way, and it's just buried in a sea of information. And people do not have time to listen to a five-hour podcast, and I actually know that. Um, yeah, we're just kind of doing this for the public. When we started out, we didn't do public podcasts, and I talked to Chuck the other night. We talked about it before, but there's a value in doing this because I've met. People like Chuck, through doing this, it's, but see, they shut us down. We don't show up live anymore. If you're not following the show, you can't see us. But there's value in doing it because that's why I'm trying to, anybody that comes in that chat room, I'm trying to connect with them. So if you see anybody uh-huh. that shows any kind of interest, tell them to email me, and the email is up in the show notes You know, it, for, the, for the show itself. It may not be in the show uh, each individual yeah, show notes. Yeah. yeah. I want to hear from everybody. We want to connect with everybody. We we bring everybody into our group. We don't uh-huh. shut we down have say you can't come. I never I've never done that. Anybody. I mean look how many anybody people have gone anybody. to visit Chuck lately. What's that? Look how many people have gone to visit Chuck lately. I mean it's on that's that's my but my design because um I'm sending yeah. people to him. Um, I, I can't be as available as I used to be, and, and it's going to get to the point where once God puts me out there, I, w- I won't have time for all that. Nobody does. Once God gives you something to really do, I won't have time for that. I told, I told Channing the other night, you know, all these conversations, he calls me up any time of the day. That's going to come to an end. I won't, I won't have time, you know, so I appreciate it while it happens. Yeah, that's he called me. Call you. He I called me. Call no, 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 I don't. Emily does that too. Call me. And what I'm doing right now, I'm telling people, well, I did it tonight. Um, we, uh, Cade. Cade is the one that called me. Chris and I, Chris McCombs and I were working on uh, trying to get um, this Discord program to work so we could have a 24-7 presence. And this is going to be really cool because this chat room is always there, never goes uh-huh. away. People will be sitting in there, but they won't be active. Their name will be sitting there. So you've got to figure out, is this guy actually there? If they are, you can interact with them in text, but you can, you can call each other, and you can each do a podcast. You can record it. Did you get it figured out, Dave? Um, we made some headway. We, I almost gave I up, but we did make thought. some headway. We've got, we got to have Dave Colham help us. Guess, guess who knows how to do all that stuff? My son. You've got to be kidding me. No, no, he plays Call of Duty, and all the people he plays Call of Duty with, all these little kids mm-hmm. that are like, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old that play Call of Duty are experts on all this technology. You would not believe what they're able to do. And so one of his friends can probably, uh, you know, put all this together in a matter of minutes. 
I would just have to find them. Okay. I know that one of his friends made him a uh, Photoshop, uh, like a picture for his YouTube page, and it looked mm-hmm. incredible. And he didn't charge him a penny for doing it. He just did it for him. And it, it's, it's just unbelievable. He used Photoshop, and it's just, a you know, it's, a, it's just a, it's incredible. And this kid's probably 12 years old, you know? Okay, they, what they, we want. These are geniuses. What we want, we have a group of people that are developing what I call a new cosmology. It's based on revelation. Mm-hmm. I have to actually have a Facebook group. It's called Esoteric Cosmology. I just opened it up again. It's been sitting there, but I kind of closed it down. And uh, what we want to do is visually portray our cosmology with computer graphics. Oh, similar to the text messages I've been sending you lately? That kind of stuff? I've already done this before. We did this way back in 1999. I didn't do anything because I didn't know anything. I didn't even have a computer. Well, I got a computer in 1999, but I didn't have one at the time. And uh, I made this incredible prophecy chart. It took me like three months to work on. And uh, we threw everything we had into it. And it was absolutely beautiful, multicolor. It actually had the, the new Exodus on it. It's gorgeous. You know, laminated. And um, at the time, I was a post-millennialist because I was putting the second advent I knew that the two events couldn't happen at the same time, you know, the new exodus and the, and the second coming. So at that time, I had it at the end of the age. There's a lot of scholars that are post-millennial, you know. But now I've moved it back to the first century because I, I didn't understand that at all. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I wasn't familiar with that, view. It says in Matthew 24 that all these things will be fulfilled in this generation. And C.S. Lewis said that's the number one passage in the Bible that causes people to lose their faith and abandon Christianity because they can't understand it because it looks like Jesus made a false prophet. Prophecy. If you take that passage seriously, it looks like a, if you can't process it, it looks like a false prophecy. In fact, you know, atheists will say it's a false prophecy. Because do people believe this happened in the first century? No, just like they don't believe a cataclysm happened in the first century either. But the Illuminati, they covered it up. And actually, the cataclysm itself covered it up, and the cataclysm covered the cataclysm up because it destroyed everybody. You see that? Mm-hmm. And the people became yep. ignorant. And they lost their traditions. They still had the knowledge when they came out of the caves. You see, the people with knowledge, they were taken. And so the riffraff were left behind. The people that didn't qualify, see that? So that's a good reason why a lot of knowledge was lost. And, and the academic community is going to be forced to deal with this because it's so scriptural, because this is going to affect our view of manuscript evidence. I believe that God used Satan to preserve the Bible and the manuscripts, just like the Illuminati. Uh, they took the Book of Enoch away. They suppressed the Dead Sea Scrolls, but they gave them back to us, didn't they? What? They didn't have to do that. Yeah, so if the, if the Dead Sea Scrolls are not a forgery, and the Book of Enoch is not a forgery, why would they give these things to us? Well, they wouldn't, would they? No. So I hold to the belief, you know, I got on my knees and I prayed about Dead Sea Scrolls, and because um, I wasn't certain, but no, they're not a forgery, and God gave me uh, some degree of certainty about that. And so... Yeah, they suppressed these things, and God said, no more. you got to give it up. 
And you can see that they suppressed the Dead Sea Scrolls because for, for 50 years, they were suppressing. It was obvious. They're shuffling their feet. They're making excuses, you see, because they don't like it. Aha, this is not a forgery. So God gave these things. He, he's been restoring things, you know, gradually here and there. He gave us the Dead Sea Scrolls early in the Book of Enoch because we, need, we needed it early. Because it takes a lot of time. We're so ignorant. It takes a lot of time to evaluate it. You can't evaluate in five years. People have still not figured out that the Dead Sea Scrolls, not, not everything, uh, but there's significant uh, manuscripts in there that have to do with the, um, well, I believe it's a community that, that fled from uh, Judea, most likely to the Transjordan region, uh-huh. because Jesus commanded them to do so. He says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, flee. Okay? Well, they did. And obviously somebody obeyed them. And this was the community out there, and guess who the leader was? It was um, James. Now, I, I'm going to correct that, okay? Because I think that happened late. Yeah, that happened late when the people fled, according to the prophecy of Christ. They were already out there. So I think, I think more people probably joined them. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, see, in, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it talks repeatedly. The most important figure is the, the teacher of righteousness. And right. I've got a big book. The biggest book out there on James, the brother of Jesus, he was the, he was the bishop of Jerusalem. He was the leader of the first century church. It wasn't Paul. It wasn't Peter, okay? Uh-huh. Now the church is lying again. And in the, in the, the, the Protestants go, oh, it was Paul. No. Go to Acts 15. Paul and Peter are both there. And they give recommendations. But James considers their words. He makes a decision by himself. Okay? He was the leader. Okay. And uh, whoever is the bishop of Jerusalem, that's the preeminent person. And he was appointed by that, uh, by Christ himself, because that's his brother. So I have this big book. It's written by Robert Eichmann. He's kind of a kind of a liberal. Okay, yeah. And he's got a negative view of Paul. But um, that's the classic work. And the name of the book is James, the brother of Jesus. But anyway, he's called James the Just. Now, the word just is interchangeable with the word righteous. He's also called James the righteous. And with all the information we have about him, you know, it's outside of Scripture, he was considered, this is incredible, he was considered to be the most righteous man in in his day. In other words, even though he believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the, you know, the Jews who didn't convert, they held him in high esteem because his reputation was absolutely impeccable. You couldn't get anything on this guy. He prayed so much, he had... The skin on his knees was, I think it was thick. It was thick because he spent so much time on his knees because he was interceding for the nation. He knew, see, he knew that judgment was coming. He was the number one intercessor, and he knew it. Like a, like a high priest. Well, he was, here's the thing. Aha. He was a high priest. He was the high priest of, uh, of Christianity, you see. And he was like uh, a, king, a king priest. Now, you had what's called the despasinoi. The despasinoi is a Greek word, and it means the um, <clears throat> kinfolk, the kinsmen of Jesus. His bloodline 
remember that the evidence indicates that Jesus supported him for that. So when he, he was martyred, there's two different stories of his martyrdom, but he was replaced by another relative of Jesus. And then I think there was maybe one more, but they had to be from that bloodline. And then when the cataclysm came, it all ended. Okay? Now, there's uh, stories about the, despo- the they try to relate the, they try to relate the Spasnoids and the Merovingian bloodline. It's, it's all propaganda because they will talk about you know if you look at like the, the book uh, Holy Blood Holy Grail like uh, I think it came out in 1980 81. They will talk about the Spasnoid. Christians have never even heard this stuff before. They're the relatives of Jesus, but the reason they're talking about this is because they're trying to relate this to Mary Magdalene and things like that. Now, I do believe that she went to France. I did not believe that for years, as it was propaganda. But all that happened, um, you know, earlier in the first century, before the cataclysm. And I believe that she was martyred there. And that's the reason why, even to this day, you know, if, if, by the way, I believe that Mary Magdalene was the reincarnation of Eve. So there you go again. Okay. Uh Well, let me go back to Rachel real quick. I got to get this on. Okay. So anyway... Joseph sees this vision. His mother is dead. And um, his son, his father is represented by the sun. And his brothers are represented by the stars. And his mother is represented by the moon. Why would they do that? His mother is already dead. You know why? Because she's the daughter of God. Like I said before, two different times in scripture, it refers to the moon is feminine. It says the word her. Now you jump to Jeremiah 31, and um, it's referring to the Babylonian exile, and it's type anti-type. It's actually talking about a new exodus. Scholars think it only has to do with the first exodus, excuse me, the the Babylonian uh, exodus, when it came back from Babylon. Okay, and it it, it has Rachel weeping for her people, because they're in exile. Why does it do that? She's dead. So the church can't process it, and so they just think that, uh, oh, it's just kind of, you know, metaphorical, figurative, poetic, that kind of stuff. No. Um, That's the daughter of God. She's the preeminent female being, period. Okay? And that's why Jesus was was out in the garden, and Mary Magdalene found him. And I had this guy on uh, Barbara's Facebook group, and he said, uh, he was trying to say that, you know, there's no humor in the Bible. There's humor right here. He disguised himself as a gardener. Did you know that Adam was a gardener? No. Well, yeah. He had to tend the garden, right? He was the first gardener. Um. Hey Dave, so, I just got a service unavailable on TalkShoe. Are we still good? Uh, yeah, you just got to click on that, and the chat room will still be there. I'll refresh it. Sorry to interrupt you, man. I got to look at my phone and see how long this call has been going. Yeah, I didn't think we would, I didn't think we would be going this long. By the way, I think we have once again failed. Absolute failure to do a genuine room two podcast. I don't think we can keep this out of room one. Just because of the frequency we've, stuff? We've been on for two hours and 43 minutes is when you called me. Okay. 
see here. Anyway, my phone's doing weird stuff. It's me, you, and Otto, man. Hey, Otto, you on still? He's probably at work, but that, there's a reason why he appeared as a gardener. Now, remember, what does Luke, what does Luke 3.38 say? The genealogy that ends by saying, Adam, the son of God. And where is that? In the Gospel of Luke? And this is in the Gospels, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Look at the context of the Gospel. It, it's already told you that he used to be Adam. So that's why he's in a garden. And it probably also has to do... Now, Adam, see, was a, Adam was a high priest. By the way, scholars will tell you that. They may just say he was a priest. This is why mankind fell when he fell. Uh-huh. We, didn't, we, we were not judged when Eve sinned. You know why? Because why? he was he was the corporate head. That's the technical term. Uh, that stood in the place for all of us. He represented all of us. When he fell, we all fell with him. You see that? So mm-hmm. he was a priest. He, and he interceded. And um, if he messed up, then we're all going to suffer. Okay, so anyway. So it's just like having a bad king. You have a good king? The people benefit. If they have a bad king, the people suffer. Even true today in this, you know, with these governments and stuff that we have. We're suffering because we have uh, bad leadership. I mean, they're satanic. They don't care about the people. So, uh, you know, he's in the, he's in the Garden of uh, Gethsemane, Gethsemane, and uh, he's praying. Um, he's in a state of distress. <coughs> and the, the disciples fell asleep. Well, I think twice he warned him to pray, and he just fell asleep again. Typical, like today, you know. And um, notice this taking place in the garden. There's a reason for that. And he was a priest, even on earth. Why was he a priest on earth? He ascended on high, and he took upon the um, the three messianic or the messianic offices of a king and a priest. He was a prophet when he was on earth, right? prophet, right. priest, and king. And, but he was already a priest on earth because the scriptures teach that um, every man is a priest in his home. See, he intercedes for his family. This is what headship has to do with. <clears throat> he protects his family. Well, guess whose Adam's family was? Doesn't that sound funny? And by the way, aha, here we go. I can't resist. Adam's family, it's true. And actually, Frankenstein is the Messiah. You know what Frankenstein uh, is? Here it is. We've got revelation on this. Actually, multiple times over the years, what they're doing is going to be transformed. If you don't want to believe that, okay, he's going to be resurrected. They're mocking his transformation. They turn him into Frankenstein. Mocking who's who? The Messiah. They're going to turn him into Frankenstein. No, he's born of a woman. He, the second okay. advent occurred a long time ago. He's going to come back. Okay. Um, Isaiah, Isaiah 49 teaches he's born of a woman. His name is prophesied. There's three names okay. that are prophesied. The name Emmanuel is prophesied once in Isaiah 7. The name Cyrus, like I mentioned earlier, is prophesied twice in Isaiah. 
There's another name that's prophesied. This, prop, this name is prophesied over and over again. I'm not sure how many times I should know this. It says David repeatedly. So in Isaiah 49, he says, you made mention of my name. Now stop and think. You know, previously. What's the most likely place that God would have made mention of his name? In the scriptures. So you go to the scriptures, you've got Emmanuel, you've got uh, Cyrus, and you have David over and over again. I used to believe that, um, that you couldn't prove that his name would be David, literally. And, and the Christians, they don't interpret literally because they think, well, his name is going to be Jesus or something. You know, that's what they believe. <laughs> okay? But um, his name is going to be David because that's the most prophesied name in Scripture. Did you know the name Jesus is not prophesied anywhere? But David is. Whoa. So that is the name, preeminent name, that uh. is prophesied in Scripture. And that's what he's talking about. So this is his birth. He's born of a woman. He comes back. Everything is in reverse. Like I said before, I just said to Barbara today that um, God judged his people by sending them what we call a heavenly Messiah. Because he did come down from heaven. He said that. Okay? No man has come uh, ascended into heaven except for the Son of Man who descended from heaven. So he came from above. And uh, in the film uh, David Bowie put out called The Man Who Fell From Heaven, they portray him as an alien. This is very important because uh, in these films, they're intended for a secular humanist culture. So this is why they will, very rarely will they show angels. And if they're going to talk about transformation, they'll turn him into an alien or like a cyborg or something similar to that but never the straight truth because they don't do this in fact. We don't, we don't believe in a spiritual realm. We don't believe in angels. We don't believe in gods and goddesses. They may do a movie like Chuck talked about tonight, Immortals. That's a different oh, yeah, That's that okay. Oh, that's safe. But as far as anything contemporary, no. Now, there is an exception out there. I remember that famous black actor. I don't remember the name of the movie. He's one of he's probably the most famous black actor out there. But he did a movie where they didn't say much about it, but they were actually Samuel the, Jackson. No. Um, uh, Denzel Morgan. Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, uh, you'd have to look. Uh, go to um, like internet movie database and just scroll down, or you could just go to Google and put his name in there. Put movie and then put angels, and you'll get it. They don't say much about it, but they were actually angels on Earth. But, and then, there was, of course, there was a Christmas film back in the 40s. But actually, it's quite rare. They don't, they don't talk about angels much in the media because they don't want you to even think about that kind of stuff. So if they're going to portray I, people... I believe there was angels on Earth. Yeah. You know, back well, in, it, it, it talks about it. And like in, uh, in, the, in the pyramids and the uh, hieroglyphs, you can clearly see the beings were, you know, three or four times taller than humans. Okay. Now, the other thing that they will do, like we said over and over again, they will portray these transformed beings as, guess what, Marvel comic book heroes. You see that? Yeah. yeah that's uh, what they're doing. What's that book called? The, uh, the, the Gods Were uh, Spandex? Yes, I talked about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. in that, in that particular instance, he's pointing back to the past. Or I'm emphasizing the present. But, yeah, he's saying that they're portraying these older deities but now the thing is, 
he doesn't know this, but these deities, not only they come back, they're already here, but they're they're um, a lower form. Now, right now, I'm 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 getting rid of this word higher self because it's just, it's like the you know flat earth people react to it, like oh you know. So we're just talking, right now we're just saying can we just deal with the possibility because you can't prove it wrong with scripture that everyone has an angel. That's your personal angel. Can we? You can't prove it wrong. Okay, we're in contact with our personal angels, so we ought to know. You see, God shut that down. I think this was probably used to be normative. Now, I want to say that a lot of people are hearing things here and there, and they think it's God, but it's actually their angel. We've experienced this ourselves. We, we thought this too. But it's, it's our angel, and actually, the Father, he actually, you know, when he blesses you, he does it in a mediated fashion through your personal angel. And there's no way to prove that wrong either. The Bible doesn't speak about this, you know. This is not a guardian angel. This is um, something above that level. And you also can't use the Bible to prove that everyone doesn't have a guardian angel, at least the elect. So the Bible doesn't speak about these things with clarity, and yet Christians will make these snap judgments, oh, based on, well, I never heard that before, because they believe that God has revealed everything that we need to know. That's the problem. And see, we believe the opposite, that everything has to be tainted or corrupted so it can be restored. They've never even heard this before. This changes everything, you see? Gives you a whole different perspective. So anyway, going back to Rachel, she's portrayed as the moon because she's the daughter of God. And that's why she's interceding or mourning for her, her people, you see? Uh, because that was the daughter. And so this explains why it actually refers to um, Miriam as the daughter with the definite article. The definite article is huge. You know, like the Antichrist, the Christ, you know, the, the Christ, that means unique, uniqueness, you see. Because all the Davidic kings were anointed ones. They were lesser anointed ones, you see. But it's the same word. It's actually the word Christ in Greek. That's the Septuagint, you see. You can see, once again, see, as you talk about these things, you see ignorance, 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 and it validates that, um, yeah, we have all this lost knowledge. But see, a lot of these things that I'm talking about, you can't, you can't entirely prove them. And the reason is, is, this is one of the main things that we need to realize, is there used to be a tremendous amount of information, whether it was, whether it was oral or secondary text, that supported the primary text and actually enabled us to interpret it. In other words, they had traditional, they had traditions about how to interpret the text, and guess what? They're not found in the Bible. And this explains why when you go to Genesis 1 through 11, it's obviously intentionally brief. It's so incredibly brief. How could it be that brief? It's incredibly important because they had a lot of, extracurricular information. For instance, you go to the, um, the Book of Jubilees. It's called the Little Genesis. And there you see a lot of detail. But see, Christians, they don't trust it. They say, well, that's a Jewish text. They don't trust anything Jewish. Any kind of Jewish history, they don't trust it. It has to be Christian history. So actually, anything before the first century, most you know, like church-goer types, not, not Internet Christians. A lot of these Internet Christians are swinging too far to the other extreme. 
or they're appealing to the Talmud and things like that. I talked about that with Barbara, you know, and they'll get into the Kabbalah and uh, all this stuff. I'm not talking about the Apocrypha because I think that should be in the canon because it was in the Septuagint in the first century. And scholars say that was the, um, the Bible of the Apostles, you know. So, yeah, Rachel was the daughter of God. So was Sarah, uh, Deborah. That's why she was so lofty. When she was a singular prophetess, came out of nowhere. She's actually functioned as a judge of God's people. I do think that God put her into that position um, as a testimony of, of the corruption of the patriarchy, because it says at that time that the, each man did what was right in his own eyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> And uh, and I'm getting tempted to skip this podcast tomorrow because we're doing it right now. I mean, do I ever do two podcasts in a row? <laughs> two nights in a row? I'm, I never I'm still do. Looking it. up uh, the Morgan Freeman movie about it, about angels. I'm still trying to find that. Well, you're I'm not going to see that. it. In, you're not going to see it. The title. Um, no, no. I googled Morgan Freeman angel, and I found oh. Morgan Freeman guardian angel. Um. But uh, I, put, I'm, put, I'm put, having trouble. Put, you, put, you know who put, else is in it? Put film. No, I don't. Put film. Uh, put angels instead of uh, singular. Yeah, that'd be better. Angels. Okay, so Google. Mm-hmm. All right, Morgan Freeman film angels. I love watching movies about angels and fallen angels and demons and just. I just want to just, you know, get get their point, you know, just see what's being put out there as propaganda. Well, yeah, I mean, they do put um, um, movies about angels. You see the Prophecy series, one, two, and three. Of course, that's all distorted. They they made a movie. They got a, I got a cheap movie called Gabriel, and he, he's dark. Uh, they got a one uh, a few years ago about Michael. Uh, it, it, yeah, when Christ was born. And, uh, oh, it's, it's a drama. It's a drama. I think it's like uh, down in Nevada or something like that. It's got this little uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Roadhouse restaurant, and uh, yeah. I couldn't get through that one either. But Michael is dark. No, no, no. Gabriel is dark. They're both of them. No, Michael. Michael. Uh, Michael ended up turning and uh, disobeying God, and uh, Gabriel killed him, and then Michael came right back. I just spoiled the whole I mean, movie, but it was. Uh, the second coming of Christ. I don't, I don't care born. about that. But uh, it was that movie right there was completely just ludicrous. Okay, it had, you, you know what I'm saying? It was okay. just. Uh, not I want to re- reveal something. Angel, okay. Angel has fallen. That's 2018. That's yeah. not it. Guardian Angel. How about that? I don't know. But they had a, a movie about Michael with John Travolta, and then he was smoking cigarettes. And yeah. Cuffing. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Now let me say something about this. This. The fundamentalist Christian mind is going to sum all this up with one word, blasphemy. Correct? Right. Does the yeah. Christian church know anything about the concept of a gray angel? No, they have no clue no, about that. never even heard. Now, what they're doing, they're taking that concept and they're running with it, and they're making them darker than they actually are. That's the truth. You see that? Uh-huh. And they know that if they make them dark enough, the Christian brain will not be able to process it. They don't want them to know about gray angels. Remember, I said that everything is light. And Satan, he also he's a being of light. But this is why they call him Lucifer, even though that's just not his name. Because they know something the Christians don't. He's a being of light, too, but it's a murky 
I'll call it dark, but it's still I'll call it dark light. Dark light, okay? But it's still light. It's a murky it's murky enough that you could call it dark. Maybe the word dark is problematic. Maybe, you know, dark gray. Everything in creation emanates light. The reason is everything is light. Darkness, here we go. You ready? Darkness is a form of light. Yeah, everything is. You either process process that or you can't. There's no such thing as black. There's no such thing as the absence of light. The closest you're going to get is a murky light. And the reason we can't tell that it's not light is because we're unable to perceive that it is light. Because that's how messed up we are. We can't... There's only so much spectrums of light that we can see. And we can't see the murky light. And the star... There, every one of these beings that has a murky light, they have a celestial object. This also has a murky quality to it. And uh, Satan's star, which is actually a sun, an anti-sun, yeah. um, it has, uh, it, it's dark. I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's, a, it, it, it's a kind of brownish red. Chris has seen it. Connie's seen it. I've seen it. Um, I think, Chuck, have you seen it? I don't, uh, I don't think so. But I've never it, seen it. If it's, if it's a near full moon or, or, I mean, a sun, it can be the, the moon, too. I'll, I, I, I'm talking about the... Uh, the moon right now, uh, you can feel the bad energy. And don't stare at it. But if you, if you start to look at it, it never rises high. This is the secret. It never rises high unless there's a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse. We're talking about the sun and the moon. Um, and this explains sometimes where they're seeing a dual sun. But most of the time, that's fake, especially if it's in China. And it should look different in color. Anyway, it rises. It doesn't rise very high. You can turn around. If you turn around and it's gone, like you say you walk around for like eight minutes. He's not paying attention. Oh, okay. That's an interesting sun. You turn around it's gone. That was it. You see that? Because it's supposed to keep rising. When it disappears, that's it. And you don't see it that often. And I'm not sure why. The Illuminati may be veiling it. They may be covering it up. Because we were told in the ancient world you could see both of them. It, it was just commonly accepted. And there was like there was two moons as well. Because he has a consort called the Dark Goddess. Okay. And I just want to say that this um this lesser adversary that rules over the uh the underworld uh in an anti heaven below the anti firmament, which is curved upward instead of downward, and it has the waters above it. He's not that. He's not. He's not a big shot. He's not even in. The, there's a. There's an anti hierarchy. There's a dark seventy. There's a dark. There's a dark seven below uh-huh. Satan. There's a dark seven below him, just like the seven that stand before the throne. And they have seven prominent celestial objects, and they're difficult to see. I don't know if it's because they have a murky quality or because they have deliberately veiled them, because, see, to them, they're sacred. They don't, they don't want us to see them. You're talking about they, 32 or just the seven? I'm talking about um, half of them. Okay. Yeah, there's seven primary stars. These are the seven stars in the book of Revelation, by the way. 
When you say seven stars, the, people in the, the ancient world, days. everybody knew who that was. Everybody knew who the seven stars was. Those are the seven angels that came before the throne. What? Is it is it the opposite of the Pleiades? Like the no, the they angels. have they okay. They have consorts. So now you have um you have fourteen, and they have dark counterparts. They, there's a dark fourteen that brings us to twenty eight, and then you like as I explained to Barbara today, you have a quaternity. What they did. They removed the concept of the quaternity. Once you take away the feminine, there, there, there was a reason why they took away the feminine. It wasn't one of the reasons is to get you to one of the reasons is to get you to reject your coming queen because there's no feminine. So there's look. Do they believe that Jesus has a concert? If no. you understood that he's a heavenly Adam, then you would be thinking twice because the heavenly <laughs> that's your mother. That's your mother, by the way. Now there's a higher mother. Who is who is not a separate coexistent being? She's like the other side of the coin, and they dwell in the eternal realm. So there's there's three different levels. There's the eternal realm, which never changes. The, the father and the mother are up there, and they're actually one essential being. And then they manifest in creation on a second level, where you have a lesser father and mother. Okay. And uh, there are heavenly Adam and heavenly Eve. You see that with, um, like I said before, a number of times uh, in Proverbs 8:31. Uh, it says sons of Adam, but it's a heavenly scene, and the creation is not even finished yet. And then on Earth, a lower realm, you have again an Adam and Eve. You see, and that's our Messiah. He, he, he stands at the head of a bloodline, just like Cain. Cain is the lower form of Satan. He stands, whoever is going to be the Antichrist, he has to be the head, the, the head patriarch. Who would that be? The guy's number one. It's not that hard, see. Christians ignore bloodlines. That's, the reason, the, the, the Illuminati has done a lot of work to get them to ignore bloodlines because bloodlines are very important. If you understood how important bloodlines were, you'd be going back to the beginning and go, look at Adam and Cain must be really important. They are. That's Christ and Antichrist right there. See that? You gonna say something? They they are your father. They're on the side of light, side of darkness, and they incarnate a number of times. So, um, I wanted to ask you something, Dave. Uh, Chuck mm-hmm. and I were talking earlier today, and there was a Bible passage where, and Chuck, you, can you remember it talked about the underside is like no man on earth, heaven, or or below the earth. Yeah, it said that. And that's in the book of Revelation. I wanted to ask you. Yeah, yeah, Revelation five. That's where it I'll was. get it out. Yeah. So, uh-huh. can you tell me what that means? To, like under the earth, like. Yes, it's talking about beings that uh, Christians don't believe in, because they stole the cavernous underworld. Uh, they think it's all spiritual, metaphorical, not literal. That's ridiculous. Um, the traditional Roman Catholic view up until the Protestant Reformation, but it was it was a literal cavernous region below our feet. And it, this is a form of a hollow earth. There's different types of a hollow earth. If you have a large enough cavern, the subterranean, that, that's hollow earth. So the, the church is traditionally, we call them hollow earthers. Now, it sounds funny, doesn't it? Yeah. But when we think of hollow earth, we think of, um, you know, this perfect sphere, and there's an there's an interior 
spherical area that is, um, you know, it's hollow. But th- there's other types of uh, hollow earth. I don't believe in that. Obviously, I don't believe the earth is here. It is very rare. It shows you how little development there is um, as far as the cosmology. It's very rare to find somebody who is not who is a hollow earther but doesn't believe that the, you know, the earth is a sphere. They all seem to believe that the earth is a sphere. Now, Mark Sargent doesn't believe that. He's a hollow earther, and I am too. So that's something we have in common, and we also um, have some commonalities with um, the square and stationary earth model that we've been talking a lot about. You will be, people will be hearing a lot about that. So anyway, it talks in Scripture about these elemental spirits, let me see here. Okay, yeah, this is it. This is the elemental spirits. You ready? Right in your Bible. Okay, so what the elemental spirits do, they maintain creation. They're in subjection to the angels, and they stole all this away, too. And I want to, I'm repeating these things, but um, we've been shown this by Revelation. Well, the angel actually told us, but um, you have to wonder how... After there's a cataclysm, like the Great Flood or the fiery cataclysm, how there's a recreation, obviously. How does that happen? Now, it's, the earth is regenerated. It doesn't pass in the state of non-existence, obviously. Well, the elementals do that. They do the, uh, the heavy labor, hands-on work, and they take orders from the, the angels. You can see that Christians are so simple-minded, okay? Obviously, if you're thinking, you go, well, God, you know, they're going to say restored the earth after the flood, right? (laughs) All you got to do is go to Genesis 1-1 and see that God works through a hierarchical fashion. What does it say there? Um, Plural Elohim. In the beginning. (laughs) Here it is. The gods. Created the heavens and the earth. First verse in the Bible, Christians can't even get that one right. Now, some of these scholars who are monotheists and they don't acknowledge monotheism, it's either polytheism or monotheism, um, they will push the envelope and try to claim that it doesn't actually say that. But it's either plural Elohim or not. Now, I will admit it's a technical matter. And I will also say that they have better expertise than me in the technical language. I don't have a problem with that at all. Okay, but the problem is... Yeah, Michael Heiser is pretty good at that. Yes, I, I think that... I'm not, I don't want to um, put words in his mouth. But if I remember correctly, um, he de-emphasizes the plural Elohim. Yeah. yeah. Okay? Yeah, I think so. In, in, and, some, um, context, in some, some verses he does. Yeah. Other other places now, for instance, uh, in in uh, Psalm eighty two one, he, he does the opposite. But there is um, there's a there's a technical structure there. These words relate to each other, and we have to respect them. But I just want to say something. Everyone needs to know this. Okay. Um, people are very impressed by people who understand the quote-unquote original languages. I'm saying there's none of these people have original language unless they're able to read ancient um, 
you can't prove it's written language. I'm saying that um, the Hebrew was corrupted. It was a Paleo-Hebrew that the Septuagint is based on because the Septuagint is quoting the um, Old Testament and um, it's not referring to the Masoretic text. Now, you've got to be familiar with these things. The Western Church, our Bibles are based upon the Masoretic text, which comes from the supposedly the... Um, the Jewish Masorites in the 8th and 9th century, you know I'm going to have problems with that. <laughs> you can't even yeah. prove they existed. But isn't it interesting that we're supposed to trust our Bibles coming from unregenerate Jews? Do we have a problem with that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but it's true, Christians need to know that the, um, the Septuagint, or excuse me, the, um, the Apostolic Scriptures are quoting what appears to be the Septuagint, but I'm making the claim that the Septuagint is based on a Paleo-Hebrew text that is completely gone. And see, scholars are not com- uh, comfortable with that kind of um, loss of information because it's, they don't do anything radical, and they never do anything conspiratorial. Uh, something conspiratorial would be admitting, you just admit, Okay, they will, there's not one single textual critic. These are the experts on the physical text, okay? The mechanics and stuff like that. There's not one textual critic that has ever uh, stood behind 1 John 5, 7. It's a Trinitarian interpolation. It's an injection. Uh, it's late manuscripts in the Texas Receptus, received text, Okay. There's no scholar that has ever stood behind that. It's an obvious scribal addition. Can we please have one scholar come out and talk about just the possibility, just please, the possibility that it could, just a second, that it could have been intentional? Did you know that there is no authority that can prove that every single scribal addition was not intentional? How can you do that? You can't. And yet they hold to this absurd position. You see, they don't do they don't make radical moves. They're conservative because they have to step out from the academic community. There's a lot of pressure on them to remain conservative. And you have the same kind of problem these translating committees because um, these traditions develop. Uh, there's a lot of um, Bible translations that follow the King James. There's a, there's a tradition, and it actually extends back before the King James, like with the Geneva Bible or the Bishop's Bible. There's a traditional way of interpreting the text. Well, these are people who do not believe in lost knowledge. So they have false certainty about interpretation. You see that? They don't know that there's missing knowledge. Now, you, we've discovered knowledge along the way. Sometimes it has to do with archaeology. It enables us to more accurately interpret the text. Yes, information outside Scripture can help you interpret Scripture. People that don't understand that, they're, they're not thinking straight. So anyway, um, I think that um, the Old Testament was written in uh, Paleo-Hebrew. There's no way to prove that wrong. We don't have certainty before the 14th century. So, And then the, uh, the Apostolic Scriptures... 
I believe that they were written in Aramaic. Now, see, that was the common language of the people. This is basic common sense. I said to Barbara today <clears throat> that um, if Jesus was to show up today, well, he would speak in the language of the people if he was speaking to English people. He would not speak Elizabethan language, and he would not have all these little Hebraisms, like they, if you go to a Messianic Jew, uh, Jewish synagogue, they're always speaking right. all, all these Hebrew words, and then they speak uh, you know, English, and they flip back and forth. But, you know, um, if they call Peter, uh, you know, Kefir or something like that, what's his name? I might have said that wrong. They don't know what he's talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. You know, the speaker, because you're not communicating. So the priority is on communication. Uh, people back there were um, bilingual, trilingual. And uh, the most obvious language to interpret the apostolic scriptures would be the language of the people, which was Aramaic. So this is why we have problems with the text, because it's being translated from Aramaic to Greek and then to English. And I said before, this is just an obvious fact. You can't translate any text from one language to another without um, having correction problems because you can't translate languages perfectly. It's not a perfect map. So you're you're always going to have this problem. There's there's no authority. I can't prove this either. The evidence indicates that it was, um, this is called Aramaic primacy or Aramaic supremacy. Um, And I don't believe that all the uh, apostolic scriptures were written in Aramaic. I told Barbara today, I think that Matthew was most likely written in Hebrew, but that would be a Paleo-Hebrew. So the Hebrew we have today is corrupted because they, they added the vowel points. And, and that's not a good thing. You know. Now, scholars, they don't like to talk about corruption. They don't like that word. So if you say that the Hebrew was corrupted, they, will, uh, they, don't, they don't like that. You know why? Because the word corruption is, to them, that's, a, that's something radical. They don't do anything radical. The only ones that will do anything radical are liberal scholars. And I don't believe they're genuine Christians. Okay? And you have to define liberal as kind of subjective, you know. If you don't accept that the the scriptures were originally inspired, that's a liberal. There's nothing supernatural. You know, they're just written by men. And they may have been kind of guided by God. But uh, no, 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 no. Because you don't have any authority then. What's the authority for ethical practice. It has to be God. Well, if God's going to communicate these things, it actually has to do with loving and caring for his people, there has to be some degree of certainty beyond all that. And they don't, they don't have it. It's all just kind of fuzzy in their head. And they're always, you know, critiquing the Bible and in a bad way, you know. So anyway... Um, <clears throat> Dave. Yeah. Hey, Zotto. Oh. How you doing, man? Are you at work? Yeah. I'm on breaker now. I'm in the break room. Oh, good. Hey, you know the hey. show is live, right? You know, six, yeah, six months will go by. 
We'll talk about, uh, hey, do a Mandela effect show. It's getting late, yeah. man. You guys got to, I'm not getting all my pronunciations correct here. I've been talking for a long time today. Okay. Uh, I talked to Barbara maybe three hours, and then I, I got a short break. Then I was talking to Chris, and then Kate called. I've been talking. and there's a, Chuck will tell you. I have to tell him the next day because he'll hang up, and I'll be talking deep into the night. For instance, Cade called me after the, after the show, and we talked, talked, talked. And then uh, remember that one night, Chris, where um, you and Cade were on the phone? This was, I actually yeah. did a show. I did a show, and Cade called me, and I was talking to you after the show, and we talked yeah. for probably three hours. Ah. Who the heck does that kind of thing? Now, what you're seeing is I make myself available to the people. How many people would do something like that? Dave, you've got to cut that out and give yourself a break. Well, this is why I want people to know. People will say, Dave, why, you don't, have a, why don't you have a website and a blog? And, um, I will tell you it's because I spend so much time on the phone. So when God really puts well, me out I there and I, I have to start producing, I will not be able to be on the phone like this. I won't be able I already Hopefully, talked about that. I won't be able to be available. One of these jobs, and uh, I will, we'll be able to, you know, I'll be able to uh, buy a, a web domain, and uh, we'll be able to get that. I, I, I do have a little bit of experience with message boards, uh-huh. and a little, like they're they're basically you can buy one, and they're pretty cheap, and they're very very simple to use. You just establish a few moderators, establish some rules, and uh, you know we'll make it free for everybody. Put a couple moderators in there. Keep you know the racism out. You know these these message boards have a tendency to divide. I don't want nothing to do with a forum. That that stuff is way too much work. Um, you yeah, guys can discuss me, my belief system, but I'm not going to participate that much. It's, it, all that typing. Um, I'll be more available on Discord, and that will be uh, you know audio that we'll do. Hey Chris, well, my thought is is Q and A's. Yeah, yeah. What's up, buddy? Which Chris is this? Is the Chris that got all that damage done to your house? Chris, yeah. Yes. Chris in Alabama. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. And, and all the back end, spine damage. I mean, damage, 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 man. Hey, Otto. I really ticked somebody off. Otto, remember that, cryptos, remember that crypto? Remember that I Am The DJ podcast? And at the very beginning, it was one of the first things out of my mouth I said. I talked about, you know, changing the name. And by the way, the, the name for the... Um, uh, that's a server, actually, or a channel on uh, on Discord. It will be 24-7. It's called Contrarious Live Out of the Dark. That's the name of it, okay? And I may have a YouTube channel called Contrarious Says. I just came up with that lately, Contrarious Says. I kind of like it. You know hey, I mean? do you, Dave. Yeah. Do, do you realize that this show was, like, live? In the, um, when I... When I went on my other phone to um, to talk to you, that you were uh-huh. in the um, you were in the the live section. Oh, I know. I made it live. Oh, okay, because like the other show never never shows up live, and if if I don't get an email, I don't. I just oh, check every. Oh, you're tr- hold it. You're trying to say it's in the live section? Yes, Madcap. Ah. Yeah, go look right now. I went there to check. I went there to check, and it wasn't there. No, it's there. I just I just checked again. You're still there. You're at the top of the list now because you've been on the longest. You've got to be kidding me. 
No. I'm sorry. I just you know, checked right I'm now. Beginning before... to wonder, I'm beginning to wonder if they're making it look like it's not live at my end, and it actually is because I'm going, how do these people find this show? It's hidden. In other words, if you don't, if you don't follow this show, you should not be able to see it at all. Yeah. You see that? Yeah, what I do, I check, every Saturday, I, I check every Saturday regardless. At 10 o'clock when I come to work, I check to see if you're, if you're on. Sometimes I get an email. I don't get an email on a regular basis. Uh-huh. Some, some Saturdays I don't get, and I just check anyways to see if you're on, and then I start listening. Tonight, I went to, uh, I, seen, I got an email, so I went to, um, I put in my code for, um, you know, when you, when you do talk shoe and that lady comes on, and the uh, computer lady voice, and she asks you to put in your code. Well, when I put 119, yeah. when I put 119, 117, I was like, oh, it's not room one. So I had to go look at the email, and I seen that you were in Madcap's, Madcap Laugh. Is this the name of this mm-hmm. one? So I seen that. So I said, oh, okay. So I wrote it down, and I punched that in. So then, I don't know, um, when I, I went on chat, because I, 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 I went on chat first just to let you know something that I discovered about uh, Bella. And then um, when I went in there, I said, but it was a different, it was like they updated talk shoe, So it came up different on my other phone. So I had, I said, let me just see. And I, and I pressed, um, you can look up a show or you can hit live chat or live show. I think it says, whatever it says, I hit live. And I was like, you're the number two. You're the number two show. And it said Madcap, Madcap laughs live. And I could either, I, could, I hit that, I hit Madcap laughs. And I can either just listen live through the through the the Wi-Fi on a phone that's not hooked up, or I could call in. So I thought that was pretty cool. Maybe they don't know that you have this. Okay, I'm I'm going to the live section and I do not see it. Now I'm getting suspicious that they're shutting it down at my end, and sometimes it is live. And yeah, I, just I don't see, see it on Madcap Laughs too. It's live. Really? It's a little purp- Yeah, there's a purple. Purple talk to you live. Join in. Are you sure? You no, 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 no. This is the live now section. Go to um, go to go to home. The home page. The home page. You're you're on there. No, 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 no not not my home page. The home page no, no. for talk show. Uh, talk show. Yeah, talk show. Okay. You're, you're I, on. I'm, okay, I'm there. Now see the purple button in the top left. Click on that. Live now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that up here down to the bottom. Uh, I see one show called Call to Pray International Community Call, and that's it. I see a ton. What? No, something's wrong. Oh, no, no, wait, hold on a second. I'm sorry. These are all upcoming episodes below here. Yeah. The only thing I see is Call to Pray International Community Call. That's all I see. Right. Well, I sent so you a screenshot. I'm not even on here, and we're live. I, I sent a I sent a screenshot to you, Dave. Wow, it's not showing on mine either. It's showing on yours. Yeah, well, I'm on a, a mobile phone, and it's a different it's a uh, different setup. It doesn't it doesn't look like it looks when you go on a computer. It's a whole different setup. Okay, but it's it's showing. Okay, I'm, on I'm looking at uh, my desktop computer and my phone. It's not on my desktop computer, but I can look on my phone. I, don't I have to, to be there, multiple but... browsers to be able to get in. Uh, Mozilla Firefox never lets me in, and then uh, Google uh, Google Chrome lets me in sometimes, and then uh, Brave will let me in sometimes, and then uh, last resort is Safari because I have a MacBook. Yeah, and, um, it's amazing how it's different. It's just I don't know. There's obviously something going on where you can't get in 
have to try multiple browsers to be able to get in to the chat. Oh, somebody, oh. somebody uh, as a guest, put something in the chat about Bella, where she's getting yeah. her information from, and it was a YouTube video. That, that was me. That was guest seven. That was me. I, I got booted out of the chat. Can you can you tell me what that what that uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to that YouTube page. Well, can the you, thing can is, you tell me. Yeah, it's seventeen stormy seventeen. The thing is, like, if you ever listen to any of her audio with Dave from a, a year ago, the only reason why I brought it up is because the last time that Dave was in Madcap's laugh, the 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 show that's at the very top is, um, Dave gets schooled by Bella and the Esoteric or something like that. Yeah. And, um, oh, but, God. but if you've yeah. ever, if you, but listen, uh-huh. if you've ever, if you've ever listened to her, like, you know, I've listened to a couple of her shows. So actually she was very interesting and I actually enjoyed, even though she talked to everybody, I did enjoy a lot of the information, but then one time she mirrored just recently, I still follow her YouTube channel. She had just mirrored a, um, video. I was like, Oh, this is all the stuff that she usually talks about. I mean, besides the Jews, when she gets into that stuff, I just like, I don't even listen. I don't even watch that stuff, but, but her esoteric knowledge, um, she mirrored this guy, uh, 17 Stormy 17. I was like, oh, this is all the stuff she talks about. So I said, let me check this guy out. So I go check out his channel. And if you just, if you scroll through it, he's got a, a ton of videos. You know, he's got like a hundred of videos, thousand videos. So I just scrolled through. And I, I like, see Bellfire 44. Yeah. But if you go to 17 Stormy 17, and if you ever heard her audio, like all the stuff that she was saying, she was just regurgitating everything that he's been, that he's done videos about. That's where she got like probably ninety percent of her information that she's talking to Dave about with. Okay, of course. Uh, do you uh, know how many negative things I've said about Bera, Bella on uh, it's recorded? Zero. You don't do it. Yeah. No. Oh. Yeah. I'm a professional. No, I, I'm, okay. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to. I, I don't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring her up, but I just wanted to uh, say that I just thought yeah. it was interesting that um that uh, a lot of the stuff that she talked about I can just you know cut to the chase and go to uh. 17 stormy 17 and, and I don't and I, I don't have to watch all or see all the other crazy stuff that she's talking about about the Jews so that's a can mm-hmm. of worms. So if you go if you type in and okay you know how you can search at YouTube okay if you type 17 stormy 17 hit enter the first is going to say 17 stormy 17 214 videos then the next below that says Superman's dirty little secret and then the next below that says 17 Stormy 17, and then it says Bellfire 44, and it's a playlist with 25 videos. So I'm, I'm assuming Bellfire 44 is Bella, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways, uh, I was just trying it, to... I, 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 you I can go. I even brought her up. Sorry I even brought mm-hmm. her up. I just, okay. I just thought it was kind of trippy. Uh, that, uh, I thought she was like... So I was like, wow, this... This chick just knows all kinds of crazy stuff, and even Dave's like, "What?" You know, and a couple of things. Dave was like, oh, "I don't know if I ever heard that before." And then, and then, um, she talks about she's been studying for four years, four years, all this stuff, and every day. And then I was like, "Well, man, half the stuff that she's talked about on Dave's show, that it's in the titles of this guy's YouTube videos." So I don't know, whatever. Four years. I mean, is not enough time I mean, to, I, I, to go I go to YouTube. I go to I go to I mean, I'm guilty. I go to YouTube uh, University every day too. So I go to one. Well, YouTube is YouTube. There's wrong with going there. Yeah. I watch more and more videos every year. I have to to keep up with it. So. There's yeah. good information in YouTube. You know, Absolutely. there's great information. Just like, oh. just like that, uh, that Ashley thing I sent you, Ashley Webster, where it showed the uh, perpetual yeah. motion of those disks spinning uh-huh. in circles. Because I'm trying to figure out how the flat Earth, or how the plain Earth, how the uh, sun and moon, how that works and uh, how tides work. I'm trying to figure all this stuff out. 
Okay, and what's your time right now? YouTube is not good for is theology. No, but and, there and, are... And, and scholarship. Right, yeah. right. Now they right. They, ignore the, they ignore the academic community. And the academic community ignores YouTube. I hate to tell you that, but they do. But but it does give me ideas like that. Like I was, you know, looking at some of these things, it'll it'll, it'll give me an idea of a new path to go research. Uh huh. And uh, and then. That's what I said. That's you know. why everyone should listen to our show because even if you don't agree with what we're talking about, uh, it, it will stimulate your mind because you'll be exposed to um, things from a different angle and unusual ideas and concepts. There you go. Yeah. That's all you yeah. Need. yeah. So you I'm can go do for. whatever you want with that. You will hear things that you've not heard. Let me go back to this passage here because we digress yeah, yeah. away from it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just I just a second here. It's in uh, Revelation five um, seventeen, I guess it is. <clears throat> well, she's got her own YouTube channel. All right, never mind. Go ahead. Kind of hard for me to see here. Um, it says, then I heard every creature, now this is every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now, here's where people don't pay attention. Oh, and the sea, and, and, oh, and on the sea, now here it is, and all that is in them. Now, what the elementals have to do with is earth, fire, water, and air. And they're talking about a creature that is in these substances. It said in heaven, on earth, <laughs> under the earth, on the sea, and all that is in them. These creatures actually are so closely associated with um, the creation that they're actually like in them. Like Job talked about, um, you will have a covenant with the stones of the field. If, if the stone has any value or any significant size, for instance, every mountain in the ancient world, they would believe that there's a spirit associated with that mountain, like a mountain spirit. And this, to us, this sounds like, ooh, American Indian stuff. Well, once you understand the American Indians were Samaritans that came across the Bering Strait, then you understand why they were teaching that kind of stuff. I've talked about that before. <clears throat> I do not know that. But the um, the elemental spirits are very closely, they're more closely identified with, with the, the, the different elements and the creation itself than other beings. It's kind of like we walk on the earth, but they're actually in the earth. The beings that have to do with um, the earth, they're called gnomes. Now, the Illuminati, they're the ones that came up with these four different categories. You know, the entities that have to do with fire, they're called salamanders. These are late, they're late medieval terms from the Illuminati, but they are somewhat legitimate. And uh, that's not the only passage in there, but I'm just wanted to point out that that when it says in them, you know, in all those things, why would it say that? It's unnecessary. He already covered all the bases, so why would you go another step and go in them? You see, because in the Psalms. It says the entire creation is glorifying God. You know, singing. That's what some other singing. You see? They have consciousness. And so what Christians do, because they ignore the elemental spirits, 
they think that these things are singing by themselves. No, it's not. It's the elementals that have consciousness that is in these substances. Not that they're in them, but they're very closely identified with them. And they glorify God. And uh, that explains how the entire creation is singing. See, a rock, a rock, a rock doesn't sing. You understand that? It's the elemental just, uh, identified with the rock that sings. <laughs> you just made me remember something, Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, a few times I've had uh, out-of-body experiences or whatever you want to call them, and the music that is playing in these realms is unbelievable. Uh, we're going to talk about so that. It's called the music of the spheres. We're going to talk about that next Saturday. We're going to do it. Yeah. We already talked about it. Yeah. It is unbelievable how beautiful it is. I'm telling you right now that that the greats, I believe that they somehow tapped into that Mm -hmm. because the music, you know, they all talk about the harps and all that stuff. Well, guess what? Yeah. You hear all, you hear that stuff, but it sounds so much more, I don't know, it's just, it's so much more than listening to a song on the radio or something. It's just unbelievable how beautiful it is. It's just un- it's unreal. And, yeah, um, it's, 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 it's ethereal music. There's no beat to it. Yeah. No syncopation. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah, see, it's, it's, the truth is the stars do not sing. It's the entity identified with them that sings. You get it? In the ancient uh, world, they believed that there was a spirit that was associated with every celestial object. Okay? That's what they believed. Now, the music of the spheres, that's based upon the concept that they're actually planets. And by the way, I've said on the show that um, (coughs) scholars say that Pythagoras uh, was the guy that originated the spherical Earth theory. Uh, there's evidence now that I come across, even that's not even true. So I don't even know when it originated, because it's probably propaganda. You know that they're going to make an effort to make it more ancient than it actually is. You know they're going to do that, don't you? Well, where do they begin? With Pythagoras? Anyway, he's the one that came up with the so-called music of the spheres. At least he's credited with that. But you know something? He didn't come up with that. They had that knowledge before that. He's the first person in history that they credit with that kind of knowledge. That's all they're doing. They're going to start somewhere, so they credit it with him. And then today... <laughs> We don't even, is that compatible with science? No. It's just an older, archaic, ancient belief. They don't acknowledge it. It's not compatible with science. Is science going to believe that the planets are singing, or there's a spirit, or a god, uh, or an angel associated with a star that's singing? No. So forget it. It's not going to happen. They destroyed the spirit world. They took it all away. Everything in the spirit world, all gone. All you get in science is what you can taste, touch, and feel. That's it. Improved by the so-called flawed scientific method. I, I do believe there's a genuine scientific method, but it's not their method. Their methods are false. Because it's propaganda. They don't, they're not going to lead you to the truth. The, the Illuminati created what's called scientism. Did they create that to lead people to the truth? No, they created that to cover up the truth. So it's not too hard, you know. <clears throat> Scientism is a veil. It's not working right now. It's a veil over the people's eyes, and it's a cult, scientific cult. You're supposed to trust in science instead of God. Trust in science instead of God. And actually, the scientists have replaced God. They're the authorities. Isn't it true that even the politicians look to them for the, our worldview? Do the politicians create our worldview? 
who creates our worldview? The scientists. The scientists keep admitting that they're wrong over and over again. Yeah, yeah. You got to figure it out. Well, actually, okay, we're wrong about that. Just like the Watchtower Society. We're right, and you better believe what we say, because this is the present truth. Scientism is a cult, and they have their own present truth. And if you go against the present truth, you'll be shunned by the cult of society. But then they come out and say, well, we were wrong. It's like the Watchtower Society. So this is the new present truth. Now you have to believe this. And just move on like nothing happened. Don't want to keep admitting you wrong over and over again. Like I said before, there's no scientist that can, that can comprehend what God has done because there is no man, I don't care if he's Illuminati or whatever, that can measure the complexity of anything. Everything is too complex for him to measure. Right there. So he can't process. And the Bible actually says that man doesn't understand what God has done. There's no man that's comprehending. It's over his head. And then people wonder why I say that people can't process what we're talking about. Because most people can't. They just get a bemused look on their face and go, oh, this guy's talking about all this stuff I haven't heard of. And their little mind is going to go, now, how much do you think that that is really going to be true? (laughs) They can only allow you to be, I guess, so great or so illumined or so intelligent. That's enough nowadays. Okay, that's enough. I'm not going um, to. I'll give you a couple things there, but that, that's enough. I'm not going to give you any more. Because you're not that smart. You're not that smart. But see, if you devote yourself full time for 26 years, it's an hour by hour thing. It takes time. And I talk about that over and over again. You have to be old. You get smarter and smarter. As you get older, and then if your mind Wisdom. is in a good state, then you die, and it all comes to an end. So you die young compared to the antediluvians, and so the, the only thing you can do to circumvent that is to focus more on studying, and then you get, that's going to involve sacrifice. You're going to have to sacrifice. All these things that demand your time, family, you know, employment. If you sacrifice all that, you have an advantage. You don't live very long, so time is the main factor. This is why it's very important to have a mentor. Everybody should have a mentor so you can jumpstart that and circumvent that. This is somebody that you can trust uh, so you can... uh, Circumvent the problem of being limited by time so much because it's a huge burden. And it's discouraging, I understand that, to, to actually tell younger people how long it takes to figure this stuff out. Actually, this is what I told Channing. I actually believe this. He's not listening to our show that much. And I realize that. And he's confused about so many things. Neither he or Johnny have good discernment skills. We, we've told him this. And we're talking to them in a very serious manner. And, um, you know, he's focused on Hillary, Obama. I said, I don't want you posting anything about Hillary or Obama on my Facebook timeline. I'm a deep conspiracist. I don't do that stuff. Just forget them. And he's all obsessed about, you know, Trump. You know what I mean? And I said, and this is true. 
I said, Channing, if, and this will sound exactly like a cult leader. If you believe everything I say, every word that comes out of my mouth, do you know how far ahead of the game he would be than if he just you know, didn't set aside his pride and tried to figure it all on himself and labored decade, decade after decade? Do you think he would do better than me in the end run? Well, he's not going to, so why even bother in the first place? You see that? But we don't think that way because we all function as individuals. He needs a mentor. And it has to do with trust. With him, it's not just trust. It's the word realization. I keep trying to get him to understand. Do you understand we're on a higher level? Now, the key for everyone, even if they've never heard of us, is to listen to this new podcast that I'm going to upload. It has bumper music on it, so you'll recognize it. And the first two songs, those are my official bumper music. They're both songs from Todd Rundgren. They're off the Liars album, and that's a conspiratorial album. Who are the liars? The authorities in society, and he's, he's talking about the church, too. Well, we believe in that kind of garbage, too, don't we? Uh, I loved your church song. Uh, uh, you, had, you had the band called The Church on one of your on, uh, bumper music. I do. <laughs> one of my favorite albums, The Church. Under the Milky Way tonight, or oh yes, yes, yes. I yes, love yes. that song, man. Sorry to sorry to interrupt, but I I just love that song. Absolutely. Great song. Well, people always acknowledge them. Hey, you got incredible um, uh, taste in music. What you're going to get from me, typically, is a song you may have heard it before. If you did it, it may have been a long time. It's a really good song. Yeah, when I was in high school. And you can recognize that it's good. A lot of times you can't tell the first time you hear a song. Sometimes it takes two or three times. But you'll notice it's a little bit obscure. It's not something that you hear a lot. That's what you're going to get from me. No, the church was not a very famous uh, group. No. And uh, that they, they had that one album, and it, I still have it to this day, and it's just, a, it's just awesome. It's got like three or four songs that are just fantastic, like uh, Under the Milky Way Tonight, Reptile. Uh, I can't remember. That's the only two I can remember. But you played one of those two on there. I think under the Milky Way tonight. I'm going to play a song uh, by a group called New Order that you probably never heard of. Before. I love it's, New Order. I love. Oh, I really? Love it's called. Oh, it's you can go listen to it right now. It's called Regret. It'll be the first song. You'll love yeah. it. I love. I love New Order. Yeah. They. Uh, yeah, that's that's just one of my all-time favorites. I mean, that's from what, like the like nineteen nineties, eighty nine, ninety one. Yeah, I love New Order. It's called Regret. Mm-hmm. Okay, my you, you like that one? Working right now for some reason. New Order. And we're going to do it. We're going to. We've got a music show planned for, uh, like I said, next Saturday. I love uh, Blue Monday, True Faith. Uh. But I'm going to check out Regret. I know I know it. Let's see if this will work. <clears throat> I'm just getting the spinning circle. I guess YouTube's down. Hmm. Here, I'll try it on uh, on Google Chrome. Yeah, I was like, damn, Dave knows about the church, the new order. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I haven't said this on the show yet, so this is going to be room one audio, okay? So I'm going to reveal something. 
When I come out and say things that sound braggadocious, I always have something to back it up. So I haven't said this before publicly. Well, guess what? Um, since 2001, I've been working on the most extensive, not guaranteed, um, song list of anybody. And I'm an absolute perfectionist. Okay? Now, this, the title of this song list, it's called Songs for the New Eve. The New Eve. Now, who is the New Eve? Well, that's Eve and Okay? And she's here today. And she's not going to be the queen. She'll be under her. She'll be second. Okay? And um, what people need to understand is it's all about the song sequencing because it it tells a story. It has has seven parts. I didn't try to make it seven. It just worked out that way. For instance, it has, they each have a title. The first one is called Suffer. The second one is called Revelation. It has one called Exodus. The last one's called Paradise. It's actually talking about the place of protection. Um, I'm speculating. Who's the, uh, who's the uh, artist? Everybody, everybody in there. You know, when I started off, I said, I don't, only, you know, I don't like this artist, that artist. I eventually moved away from that. I said, I don't care who the artist is. It all has to do with the song. I, I could, you know, it's to regret. I remember it. I could uh, dislike the artist. It doesn't matter. Uh, I just go by the song. Okay, so what I'm doing, I'm taking every available song that I have ever heard. Anything is up for grabs. I'll walk into a store, hear a song, and maybe something I've forgotten or I've heard for the first time. And what I'm doing, I'm trying to get a few keywords so I can remember it when I go home and get on Google and find that song and lyrics. Okay, and then what I do, <clears throat> I have to put it into this master list. I have to figure out what section is it going to go on here. And I would literally obsess sometimes for three or four hours trying to figure out where to put this song in there because sometimes uh-huh. it would disrupt the order. It didn't fit, so I had to rearrange the order, and that might take three to four hours. Now, no one's ever heard this before. It's absolutely magical. There's sections of it that will... You'll realize the impact of music that hits you emotionally. And I have wept listening to this thing. And not only that, it's extremely addictive. It's like a drug. And I have the proof because uh, when I would listen to it, I would typically be unable to pull myself away from it. I would actually fall asleep in a chair. I, could, I couldn't leave it because it's like one song after another. You, and it, 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 I'm not even going to tell you how long it is because if I did, you go, it, it, it can't be that very good if it lasts that long. <laughs> um, I've got something I need to teach you about how to get songs. There are oh, sections, there's sections, that, that there's sections of it that are so lengthy that they go along for 24 hours. That's, that's just one part of the whole thing, okay? Wow. And, um, but when you, it's all about the sequencing. I learned how to do this way back in the early 80s. Actually, before that, I had song lists that were 
in the late 70s, better than anything I've ever heard. The first time I ever saw anybody do this at all was uh, I noticed on iTunes they had somebody had people had these song lists. They create song lists. These things are vastly inferior to anything I've ever done. Okay, and but I've never seen anybody try to create a storyline. But what's the storyline? Look at what, look at the subject matter. It's uh-huh. on a completely different level. This is a massive list of songs that I can tap into. And sometimes, you know, I can't get the order in there, but sometimes I'll try to put four songs on there. You'll kind of notice it's just a sequencing to it, you know. It may not be the same as on the master list, but that's what I'm relying on. And also, I have quite a bit of bumper music that actually does not fit onto the list. You know what I mean? Like that Echo and the Bunnymen. Uh, Lift the Sugar? That's not, that's not on the list. You know, it has to fit. If it doesn't fit, I'm not going to put it on there. It has to belong there. Okay? So I've been obsessing. It's never, it's never going to be done because it's open-ended. I can hear a new song anytime, and then it's going to be um, fit on that list somewhere if it qualifies. Um, so it's never, it's never done. I also want people to know... I don't sit around and listen to music, okay? I do not. And, uh, but when I do, I'll play around with the bumper music or something like that. For instance, yesterday, okay, here's what we're going to do, because we've got a producer for the show. So I did a four-hour-plus call with Emily. I've talked about this before. And I talked about how um, I was going to talk to Emily for the very first time, and uh, she had emailed me a bunch. She sent me this huge email. I'm not even replying. She's going, where is this guy? What is he? You know what I mean? <laughs> I was behind on emails and stuff like that. So that's, you know, if an if, 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 uh, attractive female contacts Dave, Dave's all over there. Oh, come on, huh? Maybe, come on. Let's go. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, where is this guy? Does he answer emails, you know? Anyway, so... Uh, the first time I talked to her, I was waiting for her to call, and Java Ring got in there with his seventh day of Venice, and I'm sitting there waiting for her to call, and he, and he gets down there, and this guy goes off on this rant about eventism. You know, I just sat there and listened to him, and I'm going, man, she's going to call here anyway. And then I came out there, and I just blew his doors off, but I didn't... Um, you know, do it in a particularly nice way because I didn't have time. I had time constraints. I've already talked about this. And they had this feminine man who criticized me and said, you didn't create your rights. You know what I mean? Well, you didn't know the background, did you? I mean, I didn't, I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to do that. I could have said, hey, Emily's going to call in a second. I don't have time. So anyway. Yeah, I remember you discussing this prior. This is the first I conversation I had with her. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to put summer... You know, like surf music to it. It won't be all like surf music, but, you know, that kind of general feel. Uh-huh. And believe me, I know all about that subject. Trust me. You know why? Guess who Dave's favorite group is? <clears throat> and, you know, people will, oh, Dave. I thought you said you knew a lot about music. I do. The problem is that you're in. The greatest American band ever, of course, people will deny that, but the Beach Boys. Now, the reason people go in the background is because of your ignorance, okay? 
I only acknowledge two geniuses in musical industry, and that's Todd Rundgren. He's my favorite solo artist. I would consider him to be an intellectual. And Brian Wilson. And he blew his brains out with drugs, but he's still alive today. Sid Barrett, he's gone a long time ago, okay? He mentioned him at the beginning of the show. He's the founder of uh, Pink Floyd. Okay, so um, <clears throat> there's a saying that Todd is God. <laughs> That's a G-O-D-D. Todd is God with a G-O-D-D. A, a small case, you know what I mean? Uh, You've got to be a Todd head. Most people, they've not really heard Todd Brendan that much. They've heard his early stuff. It's kind of romantic type stuff that girls like. They have not heard his catalog. They have not. Okay. And uh, he's an absolute genius. The, the, the kind, he's able to play any kind of music. This Liars album, okay, he, he did the whole thing on a, a laptop. It's kind of electronic, but not in a bad way. Good electronica. So though, that song, there's a song, the first song on the first side is called Truth, and the second song is called Sweet. And both of them are talking about the same thing. They're talking about truth, how the truth is hard to find, how valuable the truth is. And I call that song Truth, that is the ultimate Dave song. If you want to know the ultimate Dave song, it's the song Truth by, by Todd Rungan. And it will, it's already been done. I just don't want to release it right away because i got to release this other one first. I'll do that tonight. I don't want to release uh, three podcasts at once. I don't do that. So I, I kind of throw them out. I, I sit on them. You know, I hold stuff back. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I hide things. People have talked about, um, Dave, you should get a Twitter account because then you can tell us when you unhide the podcast. <laughs> or if I did hide it. Or if I did, I did something last night that's hidden. You know. But uh, that would, what Twitter would be good for because you don't have to type a whole lot, you know. But um, that's, those, I have two official bumper music songs and they're back to back on that album. And it's a conspiratorial album, and uh, it's absolutely fantastic. I think you'll, those songs will turn you on to Todd Rundgren. But there's other songs that he, other albums he's done, even I have problems with it, because he's very eclectic. Because he did, he did a heavy metal album after that. You see that? And I, I my, do I like that album? Uh, not too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he just, he's an artist. And he has to do it this way. He put out one of the greatest double albums ever. It's called Something Anything in 1972. He could have recreated that over and over again. No, he was the ultimate pop. Him and Brian Wilson, they can create pop songs just pop of their head. And he didn't want to do it, you see. Um, he just can't do it. He has to express himself. He has to... Delve into this, delve into that, and his fans will actually complain. They don't, they don't like everything that he's done. I, I cannot think of an artist that is more eclectic than Todd Rundgren. If there was, it'd probably be Frank Zappa. And actually, Frank Zappa, he would be hovering around there as the number three uh, genius. And we know about Frank Zappa because he was one of them. And he's got these quotes, you know, anti-Illuminati quotes, kind of like. He was on the payroll. His father was in military intelligence. He came from Laurel Canyon. What else do you need to know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 
And go Google Laurel Canyon. They got books about it. And they got podcasts about it. Yeah, he was. Um, you see, he's got a handler, and he those those. If he even came up with those quotes, who doesn't know that? He may have said, "Yeah, go out and say this word for word, and you'll get your ass whipped." You know, slave. You know, but um, Frank Zappa was a profane person. There's no question about that. I mean, you're you're, you're making songs about anal sex and. Uh, Oral sex and Catholic girls, and uh, but um, you know he was um, into classical music stuff like that, orchestration, and um, very talented, to say the least. Uh, very eclectic. But um, Brian Wilson is, you know, as far as um, like pop music, nobody can touch him. In America, Paul McCartney. I don't believe that's the original Paul, but he says that the greatest album ever is Pet Sounds. And that's the reflection of his genius there, 1966, because no one had ever done that kind of music. It's you can go to Pet Sounds and you can hear people talk about it. Everyone speaks in superlatives. They were like, "What is this?" And people were trying to comprehend it. It was over everybody's head. He was more talented than the four Beatles put together because he did it all himself, you see. Where the Beatles had George Martin, and we're not certain exactly what the heck they were doing on their own. And we know the Illuminati was all over it. I've tried to find, you know, evidence for Illuminati and Brian Wilson, and um, it's difficult. I mean, you've got to figure the CIA is in there somewhere, right? I, it's possible that they took him out. They gave him bad acid or something like that. You can't prove it, you know. But I've never really found anything that really indicated that he was controlled unless his father was his handler, which is possible. His father was very abusive. He talks openly about that. He actually, um, I think he hit him with a two-by-four over the head and he damaged his ear. So he did all this with only one good ear. And um, anyway... What I want to say about the Beach Boys, I'll, I'll probably I'll talk about them again, but uh, when people he, think about the Beach Boys, they're thinking before 1966. The period that I like is after 65. So it's the opposite. People have not even, they've heard very little of their music uh, between like, uh, let's say, 66 and 72. That's, I think, is the best stuff. After that, they just started to deteriorate. Um, He was sitting up there in his room, isolating. He got up to like over 300 pounds. He was doing all this cocaine. And um, his brother, Dennis, the youngest one, he would feed him hamburgers and try to lure him, like a bag of hamburgers, down into the living room where he had a big piano in a sandbox. Because this guy could just rip off these pop songs. Very little effort. And that's what they're trying, they're trying to get it out of them. I even made a joke one time that that's what I'm like here. with Because I'd show up, oh, I'm going to do a podcast tonight. Oh, ho-hum, you know. I've said in the show, this podcast at different times has been an afterthought. And I know what? Sounds like exaggeration, but it has been at times. And uh, I told Chuck that... Um, we're moving beyond that. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna take this more seriously, you know, because I knew that I could just show up 
without any preparation. Okay, I can do it. I've proven it. I can talk for five hours about ideas and concepts at a rapid pace that no one else can do. And that's a fact. That's a fact. Forget about what kind of truth you're getting in. Okay? Nobody else can do that. I'm a rantologist in the category of one. Okay? But see, I can do a lot more. Look at all this potential. Dave has never even produced a single formal Bible study, and I'm the first one to tell you that. Never even done it. Never even tried. I've talked about it. You know, see, it is an afterthought because I'm able to just show up. This new podcast that I'm going to release tonight, it's called No True Religion. And I mainly deal with the issue of authority. I just show up. What I was trying to do is the same thing. Remember Rantology 401? That's one of the best ones I've ever done. Rantology 401, okay? Yeah, that's a really good show. What I was trying to do that night is get a group conversation. I was trying to get a group of people. And we had the people there. We had Pastor Charles there. And Pastor Charles was talking for about 45 minutes on the issue of women, modern women. And I was largely listening and occasionally commenting. And then I said, well, we better get going here. So I pushed the record button and I just took off. And nobody, it, people just stood there amazed. I had all these people in the background. Well, guess what? Same thing happened. Was this a Saturday show? Yeah, I guess so. And um, I was trying to get people together for a group conversation. I said it on Facebook. I said, get me up with some questions. Give me some questions. You know what I mean? No questions got answered. Barbara even had a couple questions. I, I didn't even answer them. And I, I was going to do a Q&A show tomorrow. There's a good chance I won't do anything now. But anyway, um, I have to put it off again. It depends whether I uh, do this tomorrow. So anyway, um, same situation. But this time, we might have talked for over an hour. That podcast ended early, and I thought, you know, the Illuminati did it. But actually, no. It's because I talked so long. I was talking with Chris McCombs. And he was actually saying later, I said, that stuff we were talking about, that was really good. And it was at least room two audio. It didn't even get recorded. But see, what it does, it, it kind of preps you to just take off, like just sprint out of the blocks. And that's what you see. There. I didn't go that fast, but um, I was speaking with theological precision. My mind was engaged, and you can see it, and there's no question. And somebody says, Dave says he's a theologian. Go listen to that. I dare you to say, I mean, you're, you're hearing a mind very systematic and organized, you see. That is the mind of a theologian. Okay, now you don't, you don't see this on YouTube. You don't see, there's nobody talking like this. Especially these kind of subjects, because these are difficult subjects to communicate. You have to be able to communicate them. You have to be a communicator. You just can't talk over people's heads. Now, uh, you know, I guess you call our angel. <laughs> he actually said, um, "That's that's that's enough." You know, you're, 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 this is an earlier podcast. We were speaking over people's heads, and I knew it. And uh, you, you can do that every once in a while to let people know, because I, I say on here that we've got this huge body of knowledge, this huge body of information. Nobody else has. It comes from revelation because we're in contact yeah, with these angels, for sure. Okay. Podcast, they're way over my head. 
Absolutely. You have people listen to them three or four times trying to process them and they still can't get it all. You actually complain. I'm gonna to have to go to the beginning and start from the very beginning, like Chris they're said. extremely it's challenging. Now much, what you're man. hearing, you're hearing concepts, ideas, and also names. Like you know the first time around when you hear a name you're unfamiliar with, like Nimbus. It it's yeah, Nimbus, it frustrates Azra. What's that? It frustrates you. Go, what are you talking about? I've never heard this before. Right. So a lot of it the first time around is simply the unfamiliar name. And then once you listen to it the second time, you start to go, okay, okay. The names don't bother you as much, and you can start to focus on the other information, okay? And, uh, but we spoke over everybody's head on those two. Uh, the other was Luminology 401, the, right, the one right before. And yeah. see, I could have kept doing that. No, I deliberately pulled back. This is a variety show. <laughs> well, that's all, all that stuff is extra biblical revelation, right? All the, absolutely, everything absolutely. that you and everything you and Chris McCombs talk about, that's not in the Bible. Because I tried finding it, and I could not find any of that. So I was like, okay, there's this is all from revelation. You see, what did I say tonight? And you won't even find this in Christianity. Um, I just don't have it. But there was a tremendous amount of supplementary information. A lot of, I'm not talking about the oral Torah. Um, that's something different. Um, that complemented and supported the text, enabled us to interpret it properly. Some of it was um, secondary, uh, non-canonical text, but a lot of it was just, some of it was folk tradition. People used to know these things. For instance, I'm making a claim that everybody knew that they had a personal angel. You want to call it that? No big deal. They artificially stole this knowledge away. That's why the common man doesn't know this neither the scholars. And I believe it was God. He covered up the Elohim. Got, you know, God likes drama. So a way to create really good drama is to take the knowledge away and then give it back in kind of an extraordinary way. It's like, whoa, that's what he's going to do. Can we process that? The church is not expecting that, are they? <laughs> I don't want to go into all that. So anyway, uh, um, but anyway, you know, when I was talking about being the DJ, trust me, Dave's got the best turntable around here. And I will actually win people over to me. I think if we continue to get permission from God, we're going to use this music. And I'll surprise you with the best Christian music ever, by the way. Because in this, you see, I took every Christian song that qualified ever, and put it onto this, um, uh, you know, this music list, this master list. It's all there. My favorite artist is Keith Green. Nobody's ever touched him. And it's funny because I said to Barbara today, I said, I said, Keith Green, she had not heard of him because he died. Rumad killed him way back in the mid-70s. They knocked his plane out of the air. Of course, the Christians don't understand that. So they don't, you know, there's no conspiracy. Oh, right. Um, he didn't sell out, man. And he used to pray over everything he did. And when you listen to that music, there's an anointing on it that no other music has. It's on a completely different level. The closest thing I've come to so far would be um, second chapter of Acts. They were a family and uh, a brother and uh, two sisters. But that's on our left. And they were big back in the 70s. And they're probably still around. I don't, I don't even pay attention. 
And Christian music went, it's been devolving since the 80s. It kind of peaked maybe around then. Yeah, mid-80s. And it's just been seeking ever since, just like the rest of the music. You guys, if you know anything about music, you know that it peaked in the 70s and the 80s. It did. It was good in the 90s. But it's been going down. With everything else. I just said today, everything is evolving. Well, here you go. Food, music, everything else, right? No. Uh, everything is just oh, it's horrible today. So a lot of the, um, the best music out there is from these dinosaur groups. Well, like Fleetwood Mac just put out a new album. Now, it's not an official Fleetwood Mac album. It's got uh, two of the members, Christine McVie and the, uh, the other guy. Uh, I didn't listen to the whole thing. I, I heard the single. It sounded good to me, you know. And uh, the Beach Boys put out an album in 2012. And I'm going to be playing three songs off that. But I have to, it, it sounds just amazing, but I have to admit, they use voice modification technology, and a lot of these artists are doing that. I mean, their voices sound like they're young men. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think their voices sound that good. You know? But it's fine with me. I'm not going to worry about it. I actually kind of like it, you know. It's an amazing album. <clears throat> so there's a song that I'm going to end this summer series with. It's called... Uh, it's called Summer's Gone. And the thing I like about Brian Wilson, he had this inner pain that was behind his genius. And I had inner pain all those years. And um, that may be better. If you've got God on your side, inner pain is good. And I also had a, um, <clears throat> a muse, M-U-S-E. And a muse is what? Go look it up. Yeah, Female. Female. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about that right now. Bring but, the talent um, out of you. Absolutely. I had a broken heart. Um, I was lonely. Um, I didn't really know it. You? I didn't feel lonely, but I... There was, a spirit, there was a spiritual being that told me I was. I'm going, what? Yeah, we, just, we discussed this before. They actually said, you've been mourning all these years. And I said, I am. I'll talk about that someday. And God's got to do some major things, and I'll open up more and talk about these kind of things. <laughs> oh, you're talking about talking about it live on the podcast. Right? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. So. Okay. Yeah, you you told me this before, but mm-hmm. you know, privately, but no, I'm talking. I'm opening up here more than I ever have. They, they, they've had a muse. They've had inner pain. Oh, yeah. Um, it made me better. Sure and I don't know. Too, though, right? I don't want to go in. I don't know how I was able to do all that because um, I, I don't think I could do it again. You know, with the mindset I have now, I was naive. I, see, I didn't know how long this was going to go on. I kept thinking, you know, it can't be that far off. And when I got these early prophecies, I didn't even think that, you know, eight years would go by, for maybe five years, four years, right? Remember the yeah. first prophecy. Here's the, here's the first prophecy, word for word. My son, <clears throat> do not be discouraged at how long you have to wait. See, wait for me because you will be blessed abundantly far beyond your imagination. Now, 
when you get involved with the Chris, uh, charismatic movement, they'll give you all these fantastic prophecies. They're from demons. And you know, your life's going to be wonderful. It's oh, yeah. stuff. So, I mean, That's I understand awesome. that somebody thinks it's like that, but it's already been fulfilled. Um, they had prophecies that I was going to receive these great revelations. What happened? I had nothing. Nothing. When they, when they said these things. I was just a young Christian. I didn't. I was a dispensationalist. I pre-trib. I didn't. I didn't have anything. <laughs> how long ago were you told that? Uh, did how long ago did God tell you will you suffer for me? How many years ago was that? Um, that was in the early. Yeah, that was um about ninety-one or ninety-two. I was still in high school. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. At that time, I was working, uh, I've never said this on the show, but there was a stage that I've never talked about. Um, I, I studied part-time. And what God did, I didn't understand what he was doing. He was deliberately giving me time to study by giving me a lack of work that I had a landscaping job, and it's seasonal. So I went completely overboard. I've mentioned this before, but... um. My boss just, uh, he was on cocaine and uh, <laughs> he was uh, having sex with prostitutes. I saw these prostitutes one time. They looked like they were prostitutes that would be like for the Rolling Stones in their heyday. And I was like, whoa, they look like supermodels, you know? Like, uh, how much does that cost, you know? He was burning a lot of money. He was hooked <clears throat> on cocaine, spent a lot of money on drugs. But um, he. Um, would make a lot of promises, but he wouldn't fulfill them because he didn't want me to quit, see, because I was a quality person. I came from a an Irish workaholic background, very proud uh, people. My father was the only one that was born in America. It was six siblings. He was the youngest. And I was the firstborn in the family. I think I've talked about that. Did you have an obsession with finding out the truth, no matter what it was? Uh, it kicked in uh, maybe a year and a half or two years after I was a Christian. That's when I really hit the books hard. That was that was my thing. I had this obsession with finding the truth. And mm-hmm. it's funny how you mentioned that you had time. Because, yeah, I was a sales rep, but I would always hit my numbers. And then once once you get your numbers, you're pretty much done for the year. So I had so much free time, and mm-hmm. all I did was just read books. And uh, you know the internet was available then, so I was on the internet, just just doing everything I could to try to find out as much as I can, just absorb knowledge, and just like searching for truth. And mm-hmm. uh, and and it was like it, like you said, God gave me all this free time, and I wasn't in any kind of trouble with work because I was hitting my sales numbers. And as long as you hit your numbers, they, the, your boss leaves you alone, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I had plenty of time to do what I wanted to do. And then, you know, with all these long, long trips, I would have audio books that I would listen to. Mm-hmm. So I was maximizing all my time, you know? Even when I had a four-hour drive, like, say, Panama City or something for work, I was uh-huh. working or, or doing my research then, too. You know? you know how long we've been talking? Four hours and 38 minutes. We did it again. And this podcast is too large to upload. The reason I did it in the mat, this room is called the Madcap Laughs. 
is that I, I didn't think we'd be talking this long. The only, the only reason that we are talking is I was working on Discord, and Cade called me. Yeah, and I after did. a while, I, I pushed the record button and said, maybe we'll do a look. I mean, we, when we started off, there was no expectations. You guys were probably surprised. And I said, hey, we're on, we're on talk to you. you yeah, you, um, I'm showing four hours and 18 minutes, so you must have started the podcast before you called me in. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at my phone. Okay, yeah, so right. anyway, yeah. I went through this very important period where I was working part-time, you see, and at the time, I was going, geez, why doesn't God give me, you know, he was just giving me just enough to exist. And now I look back, that period was very important because it also prepared me, this is a very radical lifestyle, to be completely dependent upon God. That's what he wanted me to do. And he's backed me up 26 years. I told Barbara that the most difficult period was the first few months. God, I'm telling you, he did not provide for me. I don't, I, to this day, I don't understand it. And then finally, uh, I was able to, well, my best friend asked, asked me to babysit his kid. He was about maybe four. And I, didn't, I got very little money. And then after that, my friend said, I think God is showing me that he wants me to help you financially. And that's where it started. And yeah. he was the only one that helped me. And then I actually told him to stop helping me at some point. Now, that's a courageous thing. I mentioned that before. Because he's on my only source of income. And then, now there's other people that helped me along the way, but they would help for a while and they would fall away. Okay? My brother helped me for a while. A girl called Diane helped me for a while. That was just a few months. Uh, another non-Christian lady helped me. She was a friend of my mom. Okay. But um, I also want to say that um, you have to you have to be alone. You have yeah. have to be yeah. alone. It's a lonely life. Um, I don't have any regrets, but I don't think I could do it again. I would have to have well, my memory. In a relationship, to- you can't. I'd have to be, no, you can't do it. Um, just the distractions uh, alone, the emotional distractions, um, I would have, I'd have to be naive again. I'm not naive. I, could, I couldn't have the strength to do it. I, I don't know how, I say I don't know how I did it. I did it by God's grace, but I was also, you know, you know here's what Jeremiah said. Now, he was a weeping prophet. He suffered greatly, right? And he said that uh, you deceived me, O Lord, and I was deceived. Now, I'm... I'm not sure if that word translates over very well to English, but that's what it says in the text. In other words, what Jeremiah is saying, and I can bear witness to this, um, you know, when God said, well, you suffer for me, did I know what I was getting into? No, I did not. If I had known, I would like recalled in horror. I wouldn't have had the courage because it was gradually. You guys are going to learn in the future how many people have rejected me. Basically, if you get close to Dave, you're in danger of rejecting him based on historical. What God likes to do is cause pain. Pain is uh, the, uh, the impetus tell me about it. for genius. Tell me about it. Look at the great geniuses and you will see this backstory. That's the key. And somehow they have the courage to keep going where the, the common man would collapse 
slip into alcoholism, drug abuse, or whatever, mental illness. But see, the focus is on what? Pursuit of the truth. That's what I was absolutely obsessed. Same here. I'm not obsessed like that anymore. I look at things differently. I I don't believe God wants me to think the way that I... He's he's expanding me more now. I'm more into relationships and things like that. I've got new views on heresy. You and Chuck are bringing everybody together. Yes, I'm a mediator. And I, I don't, you know, I talk about how I don't promote myself. I created a unique, uniquely historical theological system, which is extremely complex. Nobody has ever claimed to comprehend it. It's all up in my head. I'm, I'm always working on it just like the song was. It's just, it's never done. Okay. And um, what it has to do with, there's been a tremendous amount of injection of theological propaganda. And so what they typically do is they will take a truth and they will create these opposite polarizing errors. They're, they're manufactured. For instance, like uh, reincarnation. You got these, I'm not talking about the atheists. We're talking about people who think about reincarnation or have an opinion. You know, the atheists, oh, that's much of garbage, you know. They mean, pay attention. But um, the Christians say there's, there's no reincarnation, right? Nobody reincarnates. It's paganism. It's not the Bible. Uh, the New Agers and whatever you want to call them, they say, well, everybody reincarnates. You know, the Hindus, the Eastern mind. And they have little variations of the theme, but everybody reincarnates a lot. Or they do it all through eternity or comes to some kind of culmination. Okay? Do we ever hear a middle position? No. Nope. Well, I hold to the middle position. No, the Hindus <laughs> believe that some people uh, reincarnate as cows. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's called transmigration. That's actually not reincarnation. Reincarnation is a, a modern term. The older term is called metempsychosis. That's what, like, Plato believed in. If he's being represented properly, he was on the payroll, too, so it doesn't really matter what he believes. But anyway, oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's, take it, let's take another example of an obvious middle position, the doctrine of hell, like I said before. Um, the only thing you will ever hear on television is one view, after the decades fly by. Eternal hell on the History Channel. Why do you think they promote that? Because it affects your perception of God. The number one problem the atheist has with God is hell. You cannot process it. Well, it's propaganda. Did you ever think about that? Atheists are not very smart. They don't see theological injection of propaganda, and they're so stupid, they don't understand that science, which they're trusting, is also propaganda. That's a fact. And guess what? They've never even thought about this. So I have a huge advantage on the atheists because I go right for the throat and I ask them the question, have you ever considered the possibility there could be a significant amount of propaganda in what we call modern science? And he'll pick kind of a funny look on his face, but you know something? The reason he has that funny look is he hasn't thought about it. I already know that he hasn't thought about it. Unless he's listening to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, so, okay, so anyway, then uh, you have the other view, which is um, <clears throat> annihilationism. That's the Jehovah's Witness view. It's usually linked with soul sleep. All right? Uh, nobody goes to hell because they're all destroyed. They pass from the state of non-existence. Okay. That view does not get on television. I've never heard that view. They will not allow it on television. Okay, but 
do we hear a middle position? What would be the middle position? We don't even hear it. Back and forth, back and forth. For instance, they, they have a, a podcast out. It's a pretty good podcast. Uh, it's on iTunes. It's about, the whole thing is about hell. I forget the name of it. But I'm a Christian. And he abandoned the eternal hell theory. He slips over to the annihilationist view. Has that guy ever mentioned the middle position? No. Assuming he hadn't heard of it. You see? Haven't even heard. What is this? It's, it's, it's a manufactured dialectic. When are we going to wake up and realize these things are manufactured? The truth is commonly found in the middle. So what is the middle position? Oh, hell is real. And I could go further. It's a cavernous region below your feet, the subterranean. Yeah. It's not eternal. It's real long and it hurts really bad. Now, it's not as bad as they say. You've got to understand that Dante, he had three parts, you know, the divine comedy. He had the inferno. That is the Illuminati propaganda. Okay? This torturous place where God's torturing people for all eternity. That is a they front door path. That's a front, it's, I'll tell you right now, it's blasphemy. And I also believe that if you believe in predestination and eternal hell, that's blasphemy too. You just don't realize it. In the future, that will not be allowed. When you get on the Exodus, we even asked. We said, oh, they're going to shut that down. If anybody believes that, oh, because it's blasphemy. John Calvin taught that God created the reprobate to glorify himself. They go to eternal hell. He did that to glorify himself. Hello? See what happens if you don't have a conspiratorial mind? That was deliberate theological propaganda to blasphemy God. So if you um, believe in eternal hell, please do not believe in predestination. I'd rather have you not believe in predestination. Seriously, those two things, you don't combine those two. That's blasphemy. And he held to an extreme form called superlapsarianism. The other view is infralapsarianism, which Augustine held to, uh, which actually states that God uh, creates the reprobate uh, to send them to hell to glorify himself. He, He doesn't lift one finger to help them. This is why, if you are going to hold to predestination, I'm a partial predestinarian right now. I believe that the most important events are fixed. You can't change them. But the little everyday things in our life are not all predestined. They don't need to be because God steers everything towards the appropriate end. He doesn't need to control everything. And this is good. We should, we're not here again. Here we go. Ready? Okay, we got one view, you know, Arminian, uh, nothing's predestined. We got the Calvinist view, everything's predestined. Do you ever hear a middle position? Well, guess what? I went for years and didn't hear it myself. And I would still be uh, a Christian fatalist. Uh, I used to have, actually say it in the show, you'll hear me say it in the show. Was it my in- intelligence, my intellect? No. It was a revelation from one of these um, spirits that I'm talking to, and they're human spirits. That's what they are. I talked about in the last show. They're human spirits. That's all they are. You can talk to them. Um, it's like a form of telepathy. 
I used to have problems. I used to have problems with this. Okay, but um, nobody can prove this wrong. By the way, either. Here's my proof text, but no, you don't have it. Forget it. You know, they always assume what's well, in my Bible. Go find it. Go find your proof text to prove that. Uh, you know, that you cannot have some patriarchs incarnate a second time. There's no proof text. There's no proof text for the, um, to say, well, the Bible does not teach the pre-existence of the soul. I'm going to get my Bible right. You're not going to get nothing now. You haven't even bothered to. They don't even have a single proof text. They have nothing. They have a single proof text that says, well, it's right here in my Bible that the, um, the spirit was created. It's not eternal. It's nothing. Now, it's so pathetic they don't even think about it. They just assume that it, the Spirit is created. What does it say that in the Bible? They covered it up. It's the opposite of evolution. We all have a connection with God, and we're all eternal. If that was true, do you think they'd want to cover that up? You better believe it. And we came out of a primordial soup. We came from the apes. You see, they give you the opposite. That's pretty close to a 180-degree line. Wouldn't you think so? Oh, yeah. And they took away all your hope. Where's the hope for the atheist, by the way? Does he have any hope? We wonder why all these people are on drugs, opiates, and committing suicide, depression. Where's the hope? They have, there's no hope beyond man. They're putting their hope in man, right? Unless you're going to believe that the aliens are going to come save us, and actually, that's a better view, even if well, the aliens are fake too. But philosophically, that's better. And most atheists, atheists, they don't believe that. Okay, do they teach that when you get education? Do they talk about the aliens? No. They don't give you an ounce of hope. Let me wonder why young people are so depressed. Because they have no hope. Hope is the number one thing that man needs to live from moment to moment. You see that? What he needs is a purpose in life. The scripture says that the people perish without a vision. They have no vision. They have no hope. You see? And this applies to the church, too, because what the church needs is revelation so they can formulate a vision. They don't have a vision because they don't have revelation. They don't think that they need uh, revelation. They think that it's all in the Bible. This is foolishness. You guys still there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. This is going to end here any second. Uh, yeah, David, David will either have to. David will have to either splice this, or I think he can possibly con, uh, condense it. And uh, I can't upload this; it's too big. It has to be uh, under. Uh, you can you, it, once it goes beyond four hours and fifteen minutes, it becomes too big. It has to be under. Uh, 105 megabytes. Yeah, it's, was it, it's almost 4 a.m. to me. Yeah, that's the value of moving away from talk shoot, because then you don't have that problem anymore, I'm assuming. you know. So anyway, yeah, we're trying to start our own website, and we just got totally obliterated by backlash. You'll hear about that in the show. So when you hear to, listen to the backlash show with a bunch of music, Todd Rogan, ask yourself, is there anybody out there that's being attacked by the Illuminati like this? What does that tell you? There is, there is nobody. You, you'll see it. You'll see it. We're not lying. We're not I uh, made the offer to. Uh, yeah. To, uh, they shut you down. 
some kind they of. They shut Emily show. down. They yeah. shut Emily That's down. All. My finances were cut off the following day. Absolutely. Are we not a couple of days? Absolutely. Well, remember that we said on the show that when you you were going to order the Wi-Fi antenna for me. Yeah. Um, the next and, day you got hit. The next day you got hit. Hey, let me let me clarify that real fast before anybody starts making comments. Dave's asking for money. No, no I offered to to buy that. Dave did not I actually ask. Told, I actually told you that, but I told you to you know do it right now. I'm not like a button pusher. I said, and I shouldn't have waited. If I would if I would have done it now, I would have had it. But I said we don't need to do that right now. I just want to clarify that you did not ask for that. I offer. I was like, is there anything you need? Yeah. Because I'm about to well, get on Amazon. Or here's the so. thing. I'll prove it right now. Um, I've probably got a worse Wi-Fi antenna than anybody, any, any of my listening audience. It's a little external USB port. When I got evicted from my house, I had a decent antenna with two little, you know, movable, uh, whatever the heck things. Um, I guess it's an antenna you can move in different directions, okay? It's an external uh, yeah. antenna, you know. It's, like a rabbit ear or something? Kind of like that. It's just these little uh, bars or whatever the heck, I don't know. And uh, it was decent. It was good. And, you know, it's external. Because in a computer today, it, it, everything is internal. You don't even see this stuff. You, don't even, you just forget about it, you see? So this is this little tiny tab. This thing must be 15, 17 years old. And um, I, I don't like that kind. Of, I don't like even like Wi-Fi. I uh, I want uh, an Ether cord. I, my, at the other house, I had an Ether cord because I don't like Wi-Fi. Yeah, you got you got to have one of those. But we don't have any uh, plugins up here uh, in the on the top floor. So the only thing I could do, Joe was talking about buying me one. Guess what happened? This is amazing. This is amazing. I'm not trying to say this. I, I, I remember him offering to buy you that too. He lost his job right after that. Is that wow. true or not true? Bam. And he, he didn't forget. Uh, a, a couple of weeks went by. He said, I didn't forget about that. Bam, he lost his job. Okay, okay so I've got that, this little tiny USB. That's not real. It's this little tiny black thing you put in the USB port. Yeah. Horrible, slow internet. If I got on the show and said, hey, you know, this is your show. You like this show? Uh, give me a Wi-Fi antenna. Why does Dave do that? That's his own fault because I have the suffering mentality because I said right on the show, I'm an ascetic. You know what that means, don't you? You deny yeah. the material. Yeah. And um, I, now I'm, not, I, I'm a categorical ascetic because I'm not like that across the board. But that's my mentality. I'm trying to break away from that. You know, here's, God wants me to suffer. God wants me to suffer because God has withheld all these things from me. For instance, why didn't God help me that one night and get me a decent antenna? It was right there. Why didn't he just, you know, it's a little boost. And I think about that stuff. You know, I get discouraged. Why didn't he help me that one night? And, and that's the reason maybe. why this enemy of mine, he actually made this ridiculous statement that God does not help Dave. That's what he said. God does not help Dave. But people need to understand God has been helping Dave because he's supported me for 26 years. And that proves... That God's behind me. Nobody can deny that. You see, because if this wasn't from God, I would have. Um, I could have been on the streets. I've got to be provided for every year, or I am on the streets, and I will be. The best I could do is um, a podcast from a coffee shop. 
I'm talking about outside the coffee shop. People do that kind of thing. You stand outside the coffee shop, you got your laptop in the coffee shop. Of course, people use phones now, right? Yeah. But, um, I mean, you're a street person now. You see? And he's kept me off the streets. Thank so God. Go. Just, just barely enough that we need. Just yeah. barely. Well, I'm going to wrap this up, okay, because it's going to end here. In time yeah, I'm getting now. sleepy, man. I'm getting sleepy. I'm not sure about tomorrow, but uh, I'm getting give older. Me so. give, me, give me some notice if you do. It's well, you know, strong. you guys can get together, and I don't even have to even be there. You guys, we got a team here, man. I don't even need to show up. You guys can do. I, I told Chuck, I, sometimes when I want you to, I don't even want to be there. I want you to do it. Because I want to showcase him. He's a very talented man. You know that yourself. You know. Well, I've got a, uh, I've got the, uh, all the notes for the, uh, you know, spirit travel. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit